here it comes again, lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations, limited time only, plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. listening to the Voices of Wrestling podcast with your hosts, Joe Lanza. X out, go listen to some boring podcast where they're afraid of their own shadow. Okay? Don't listen to Joe Lanza. Because Joe Lanza's not changing. And Rich Crage. <laughs> Give me a name. I like Who delivers <laughs> this guy in a big spot? Joe, don't yell at me. In, like in the big spot, who delivers better than this guy? Just stop yelling at me. I agree. All right, welcome once again to the Voice of Wrestling flagship podcast. I am Rich Krejci. Unfortunately, no Joe Lanza again this week. He is out uh, because of the shoot job. Is reared its ugly head once again. He's been working 10, 12-hour days. Uh, I got a message from him on Wednesday saying, I can't do it tonight, maybe Thursday. Then Thursday came, and it's like, oh, maybe Friday. And then as Thursday went on, he said, I, I just don't think I have the energy. And that's, of course, we're always high energy here. We want to be at a, the top of our games with this podcast. So Joe just wasn't feeling great Uh Burnt out from the job, burnt out from working these busy, busy days. But hopefully things should stabilize uh, by next week. So hopefully we'll we'll have Joe back on doing Joe Lanza things for for three hours in your listening ears. But uh, this week we're going to do something a little bit different. Uh, there were some big picture topics that Joe and I wanted to get to. Of course, the the Randy Orton, Will Ospreay, Rip Rogers, everybody in the world dive, you know, all that sort of shenanigans. We we're going to talk a little bit about that and, and dig into a little bit more of the intricate details of that, and as well as some stuff that I don't think people have really touched on as much when they've been kind of hyper-focused on uh, the dive aspects and the, the spot monkey type, you know, that sort of stuff, and, and not some of the other, you know, socioeconomical things that Randy Orton was talking about. We were going to get on there and talk about that, but I want to hold that for when Joe is available, so hopefully that's still in the news by next week, or if it's not, we'll, we'll bring it up, because I think we have some uh, important stuff to talk about there. There's been a, some other big picture stuff that went on this week weekend um of course the new japan in, in in the u.s they had their press conference and announcements of them being on access tv again this is big picture stuff and stuff that i want to wait for joe to be here because i think we'll do a better job together sort of talking about that stuff talking big picture talking the macro sense of that so that's not going to happen this weekend though what i'm going to focus on instead is uh the shows that are going on this weekend because we have a ton of really big shows going on this weekend so what i did is i elicited a few guests from voiceofwrestling.com to come on and talk about some of the stuff that's going on so i'm going to have sean cedor a reviewer at voicewrestling.com He's going to come on and talk about Evolve 84 and 85 with me. I will be at Evolve 84 live, so I'm really excited about that, talking uh, everything going on with, with, with those two shows. Uh, after that, I'm going to have Alex Wenland come on, and he's uh, a former NXT reviewer for VoiceWrestling.com, a quarterly columnist now. Uh, he's going to come on and talk about uh, NXT TakeOver Chicago, a show that him and I will both be attending. So uh, we'll definitely talk about that and all the intricate details of, of, of TakeOver, all the matches, all of our previews. Uh, quick little thoughts on Backlash. We're not going to do a ton on Backlash. I'm not going to Backlash. I'm not that excited about Backlash. <laughs> There's not a whole lot I really wanted to talk about. And full disclosure, Joe and I were 
but Backlash was not on our, our run sheet initially. We were going to say if we maybe had time, we'd fit it in, but it was not our idea to do Backlash this week. So um, we just weren't going to do it. We we're just, there's too many other things going on, too many other things that we're passionate about. So we didn't really want to do much on Backlash. Um, but Alex and I will touch on that just a little, little bit, talking about maybe why we're not as excited about Backlash as we should be. Uh, and then in the final segment of the show, uh, Jojo Remy, who uh, does uh, columns for us at VoiceTheRest.com, usually live reactions uh, and some other Japan reviews and, and columns. He's got a great one up right now about uh, the top prospects in Japan. He does an analytical look at some of the top prospects in Perot. Uh He's going to come on and talk about the best of the Super Juniors tournament. He uh, was at the first two nights, and we are all very jealous of him because he was got to see two pretty awesome shows so we're going to talk about his live uh his live reactions there you know what what he kind of saw when he was there live uh, there's some things that are pretty interesting as well that maybe we didn't see under japan world or we didn't see on video that he was able to see live the things that maybe didn't make it to tape didn't make it to the video uh things you know of how the crowd reacted to certain people certain guys that got over more because of the crowd reaction so a lot of good stuff there from jojo and then we, we so we'll talk about those first two nights and then preview some things to come talk about a little bit of the tournament uh, so far after a few days, so I think you'll really enjoy that. But, yeah, a lot of good stuff coming up on the show, so we thank you for your patience, obviously, as Joe tries to uh, get his life back in order. he's Everything's fine. He's just working a lot and just doesn't have time to either watch or talk about wrestling. Um, so we had to do things a little bit different this week, a little bit on the fly. That's why you're getting it on a, on a Friday as opposed to, you know, your normal Wednesday or Thursday. So we apologize for that, but we hope you still enjoy the show, and I think there are going to be aspects of the show that you definitely are going to enjoy. So before we get to the show, I do want to let everybody know that this week, the Voice Wrestling Flagship Podcast is sponsored by our good friends at Blue Apron. And Blue Apron is the number one fresh ingredient and recipe delivery service in the country. Those who spend a lot at restaurants or high-end grocery stores can now spend under $10 per person for a delicious home-cooked meal. Here are a few of the awesome meals coming to Blue Apron this next week. How do these sound? Beef teriyaki stir-fry with sugar snap peas and lime rice. Three cheese and baby broccoli stromboli with tomato and oregano dipping sauce. Crispy salmon and roasted potato salad. Those all sound fantastic. We've been really enjoying the nurse and I, our Blue Apron meals, and, and these are a few of the meals that we definitely cannot wait to come up. And that's one of the good things about Blue Apron is that you can choose from a variety of new recipes each week, or you can let Blue Apron's culinary team surprise you. Recipes are not repeated within a year, so you'll never get bored. Another good thing about it, too, is they have several delivery options. You can choose whatever fits your need. If you don't want, you know, Blue Apron this week, you want to go to the grocery store and spend a bunch of money, hey, you're an idiot, but if that's what you want to do, you can do that. Uh, there's no weekly commitment, so you can choose whatever you want. You get the deliveries whenever you want them. One of the great things that happened with us recently is when we went to Italy, I said no Blue Apron orders, obviously, for two weeks, because we're going to be in Italy, so please don't deliver them to my house. And I said, uh, on the delivery day, though, when we get back the day we get back it would be awesome to have a box there waiting for us with a bunch of groceries and a bunch of stuff that we can eat that week and lo and behold we arrived back from the airport and there's a blue apron box waiting for us and we had meals ready to cook so we were too exhausted to go do anything we we're too exhausted to uh, uh cook anything or or, or or go to a grocery store i should say but we wanted to cook something we wanted to stay home we wanted to just kind of chill out for a day and it was nice and easy to just to get that blue apron meal and and go and cook it so that's one of the great things about blue apron um and the custom recipes the custom delivery options and just everything they do is, is fantastic there at Blue Apron. That's why we love them and we appreciate their sponsorship. Uh, each Blue Apron meal, of course, comes with a step-by-step, easy-to-follow recipe card and pre-portioned ingredients, and each one can be prepared in 40 minutes or less. Blue Apron's freshness guarantee promises that every ingredient in your delivery arrives ready to cook or they'll make it right. So you can check out this week's menu and get your first three meals free with free shipping by going to blueapron.com slash V-O-W. That's blueapron.com slash V-O-W. You will love how good it feels and tastes to create incredible home-cooked meals with Blue Apron. So don't wait. That's blueapron.com slash V-O-W. Once again, blueapron.com slash V-O-W. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. 
All right, and we'll start our segments here with Sean Cedar talking about Evolve 84 and 85. Sean, how's it going? Uh, I'm doing pretty well. You know, just, just coming off of uh, going to the uh, War of the Worlds show in New York last weekend and seeing that live. And now another weekend, we got two big WWE shows in Chicago and then two big Evolve shows in the Midwest. So it's a packed weekend, though. Out of those four shows, I will probably only be seeing one of them live because... Brothers graduating tomorrow from college, so oh nice, packed Saturday. So yeah, well, you, you so. just graduated recently too, right? Yeah, yeah. Back in uh, back in December, I graduated, and now my brother's he's graduating tomorrow, and it's just gonna be a busy day for me because my dad is a photographer and he does all the graduation photos. Oh, nice. Well, that's a good business, though. All the <laughs> all the old local colleges, and because there's there's two the college that my brother is graduating from, there's two graduations tomorrow. And he's the second one, but I have to help my dad because his, his business is just him and his partner, and that's it. It's like a really small mm-hmm. yeah. photography thing. And so basically my Saturday, I'm going to be getting up at like either 7 o'clock in the morning or <laughs> earlier than that and then going right there, and it's going to be an all-day all thing. So yeah, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's weird because like the show I'm supposed to review for the site, Evolve 85, is probably the only show this weekend I'm actually going to get to see live. So well, I don't know why you tell your dad. It's like, a bummer, but there, there's bigger things to do. I mean, you got Evolve '84 on a uh, Saturday afternoon. Like, I, I can't be doing stuff. I can't be helping you. I got a Saturday <laughs> afternoon Evolve show here. Like, I got to be home. So, no, that's uh, that's that's awesome stuff. But um, yeah, it's a busy weekend. It's a crazy weekend, and and Evolve's really uh, in a lot of ways kicking it off. I mean, there's some uh, other independent shows going on. Uh, Freelance Wrestling is is running a show as we're recording this right now. Uh, in Berwyn to kind of kick off the entire weekend, but it's kind of fun how it's sort of built up now as a you know a, a WWE pay per view weekend in Chicago, and there's a lot of stuff like slowly but surely. If I wasn't doing this podcast, I'd probably be at that show and doing like a sort of mini WrestleMania weekend thing. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but we start off um, on the big time shows in terms of stuff that a lot of people are going to watch available, of course, on, on Flow Slam TV uh, with Evolve '84, which interestingly enough is going to start at 2:30 p.m. So if people that are used to the old Evolves, it's it's not going to be a, a, a night show. This is 2.30 p.m. Of course, the reason is because uh, Evolve 84 initially was going to be at 7. Uh, NXT TakeOver said, ah, you know what? We're going to run that same day in a bigger arena you know, in, in, right. the same, in the same market. So, you know, yeah. and then Gabe said, ah, you know what? I will move to 2.30. So uh, Evolve 84 going on at 2.30. I will be there live. So I'm definitely looking forward to this. My first uh, Evolve show ever. Uh, so definitely anticipating that. But, uh, Sean, I'll ask you overall, Evolve 84, uh, what stands out to you? We'll, we'll break down the card here in full in a bit, but what is your kind of first thing that, you, that comes to mind when you think of the show uh, going on tomorrow uh, at 2.30? Well, I think the probably the two biggest matches maybe of the entire weekend, and that's including WWE, uh, are taking place this weekend in Matt Riddle versus Kyle O'Reilly, which should be a fantastic match, as well as uh, Keith Lee and Don Dijak. And, of course, they had a fantastic match in Orlando in Evolve 81 during WrestleMania weekend. Um, and they're probably going to have another fantastic match again here because they just seem to work really well together and their matches are unlike anything else really, I guess on the Indies right now, because you've got, they're two big guys who can do a lot of power, but they can also do like, you know, moonsaults and flanches and all this sort of crazy stuff that you wouldn't think guys of that size can do. So I think on that card, those are the two matches that really stand out as ones that could potentially be fantastic. 
Yeah, so let's, let's run down the card here real quick, and then I'll kind of talk about some stuff that I'm looking forward to, and then some big stories, you know, surrounding this event. And of course, people that uh, want to read more about this preview, you uh, you uh, jumped in uh, with a few other people on our Evolve preview on VoiceWrestling.com, so you can definitely check right. that out. Also, we have previews of everything else going on this weekend. We got Takeover, uh, Backlash, all that stuff is up there, but we have Evolve 84 and 85 reviews on our previews, rather, on VoiceWrestling.com, and also we debuted a new Evolve podcast this week, the official, uh, I believe, the first ever, like, all Evolve podcast ever. Everything Evolves with uh, the two Aaron's are on that show. So if you want a little bit more of a detailed preview of uh, 84 and 85 and, and kind of a state of Evolve uh, podcast, we have that for you there, too. So I'll just kind of run down this card real quick. Uh, Freddie A. versus Jason Kidcade, Leo Rush versus Austin Theory. Uh, the Evolve Tag Team Champions, Chris Dickinson and Jaka versus Matt Nix and Isaiah Velasquez. Uh, and those guys are freelance local Chicago guys, so it's kind of a cool little uh, showcase match for those. Uh, Tracy Williams versus Jeff Cobb, as you mentioned before. Keith Lee versus Donovan Dijak. Then you have Evolve Championship match. Zack Sabre Jr. defending his title against Ethan Page. And then the WWN Championship match. Uh, Matt Riddle defending his title against Kyle O'Reilly. So, Sean, I'll ask you two questions here real quick. Um, first off, of those two matches, WWN Championship, Evolve Championship, any chance that either of those guys lose their titles, that Matt Riddle or Zack Sabre don't walk out of Evolve 84 as champions? Well, when I was writing the pre- portion of the preview the other night, um, I, I had a strong feeling that both of those matches were going to be like surefire locks just based on the fact that both were defending their titles uh, the next night in Michigan. But I listened to the uh, Everything Evolves podcast today, and I was just thinking about it more and more, and I, I just feel like while the chances of him winning are still small, I think there is a, at least a possibility that Ethan Page could beat Zack Sabre Jr. Um, I think the main reason why I kind of started to doubt myself on that actually has to do with Zack Sabre Jr. versus Leo Rush, which is happening on Evolve 85. Um, Because I mentioned in the review I did for Evolve 83, which is the most recent Evolve event, um, that based on the finish of the match and how of the the first Zack Sabre Jr.-Leo Rush match and how sort of the commentators reacted to it almost immediately thereafter... You knew they were going to do a rematch at some point, because uh, Zack Saber he didn't re- he beat Leo Rush, but it wasn't like a like very decisive. He caught him on a roll up, and the announcers put over, "Oh, Zack Saber Jr. rarely beats guys by roll up in Evolve, at least." Um, and so I knew they were going to do a rematch, but I didn't expect them to do it this soon. Like it's almost like a quick turnaround. Like next weekend they're doing the rematch. Yeah, right, right. Um, so part of me thinks that I guess just based on that. I think there is a chance, however small it may be, out of the two title matches that are at least on Evolve 84, that Ethan Page could walk away as champion. Because um, then you could do a thing where uh, if Ethan Page wins, then obviously Zack Sabre Jr. versus Leo Rush isn't for the title. And then I could see a scenario where like Leo Rush wins, and then they sort of set up a rematch between Zack Sabre and Leo, sort of like a rubber match sort of thing. Um but yeah, it's it's weird. I again, I originally thought like neither title is probably going to change. Um, even though I'm still picking Saber as the heavy favorite in this Evolve 84 match, mm-hmm. I think Ethan Page's chances are they're more than zero. Essentially, absolutely. I, I'd yeah. say he definitely has a shot, and it, it'll be interesting to see, especially if the WWN title keeps getting placed over the Evolve title mm-hmm. um, as like the title in Evolve. Or I guess in WWE in general, because uh, I know that I believe the guys on Everything Evolves, the two Aaron's mentioned that uh, I guess there's a chance that maybe the Evolve title 
it, it could become a title where it can more likely change hands potentially because especially again if it starts to become more secondary to the WWN title. Yeah, I guess that that uh, I had a point. We'll get back to Saber and Riddle, but I uh, maybe a thing as far as the Evolve Championship. Are you? What are your thoughts on the fact that the WWN Championship now is a thing, and now that it, it it's gotten top billing, and it it seems to be a little bit higher above Evolve? I mean, just when the hierarchy of the title, it's the WWN Championship, which is the whole brand, versus Evolve, which is just that brand. Are you? Are you? What are your thoughts? Because for so long, the Evolve Championship was the goal for everybody. That's the the, the you have made it. You're the king of this brand you're the champion of the revolve or whatever and it felt really cool because that was like this one singular title that everybody was vying for now it, i don't know i feel kind of weird that the fact that this wn championship thing exists and there's now two big titles on the show and and really if you have two big titles you either don't have any or one is is way above the other and i, I think it's hard not to say that the wn championship now sort of supersedes the evolve championship are you okay with that is that something that bothers you at all um, well, it's especially weird, at least for the moment, because I guess the idea as it was presented before uh, the shows in Orlando was that the WWN title was going to be defended across all the various promotions of WWN, which mm-hmm. includes, you know, FIP and Style Battle and I think ACW. Um, and I don't think, I mean, obviously, I don't think, any, I don't think any of those promotions have had shows yet uh, since WrestleMania weekend, but uh I would be more okay with it if, like, the the title becomes defended in or is defended in those different promotions like FIP, ACW, and Style Battle. Uh, but if it's just a title that's relegated to Evolve, then I guess I have more of a problem with it. Um, cause I, it's kind of like it is supposed to be representing of all the brands, but. I don't know what the chances are that Matt Riddle will, especially with his schedule, if he'll actually be working a style battle or an FIP or even an ACW whenever they run shows. So if it's if the title is relegated to just evolve, then I think it d- does sort of create a problem. But if we do get eventually to the point where that title or the WWE title is defended in FIP and style battle mm-hmm. and ACW, then I don't think it'll be as much of an issue but again it will, let's have to see because like those promotions i just mentioned they really haven't haven't had any shows since wrestlemania weekend so i guess time will tell on that one yeah and, and as far as my other question i was going to bring up and, and i'm curious on your thoughts here because it, it's kind of seated in my mind too because everything evolves sort of mentioned it and the more i was thinking about it, i was like yeah you know that, that's plausible is that you know evolve 86 which is in june 24th in uh, massachusetts uh, they have booked already a Zack Sabre Jr. versus Matt Riddle match. And it just seems, to me, if they're both there as champions, doesn't it seem a little early to do, like, the battle of the century, these two men, like, battling once and for all? Like, it just seems like the build to that hasn't been good enough right. for that yeah. sort of, like, champion versus champion, you know, type thing. And it's not like, I don't think it's like a title for title type match, but it's just like, geez, that's a huge match to just kind of have in a month or so. And maybe it will seem stupid because they really, they push a lot of angles this weekend and it really makes sense after this weekend. But right now, right. it's like, if you're booking ahead to Evolve 86, you're like, oh, we got to get to a point where these two dudes are, you know, defending their titles against one another, or, or at least if there's no titles on the line, that these two big champions are facing one another. It just seems too early to do that with both right. men going in as champion. That's not to say, again, this weekend they might do really good mm-hmm. stuff. They might have really good angles. But is that maybe something that comes in your mind and go, ah, geez, you know, maybe there's a situation there where Ethan Page does upset Zack Sabre and then Matt Riddle defends his title against a champion, you know, a non-champion in Zack Sabre Jr. There's a possibility for that. I think more strongly than I thought initially. Right, right, and uh, yeah, and like you said, I think it's, I think it would be way too soon to do a champion versus champion match. Like that seems like something that they would do, maybe at like 
WrestleMania weekend of next year, once the WWN title has become more established. I mean, uh, they've already had two defenses on the last of all shows, and obviously they have two title matches set up for this weekend. Um, but it, it, yeah, it just seems like too soon for that. And I think that as well probably adds to the, I guess, the possibility that Ethan Page could walk out as champion. I mean, they do have the storyline where they've been feuding for a couple months, Ethan Page and Zack Sabre. And Ethan Page is actually technically undefeated against Zack Sabre because he beat him clean at Evolve. I think it was a show in October, November of last year. I think it was Evolve 72. And then they had a match in San Antonio, which Sabre technically won, but then they reversed the decision because Sabre wouldn't let go of the submission hold and Ethan Page won by disqualification. So you do have that other element going into that match. And if Ethan Page were to win... They could sort of like continue that story like they sort of had with Zack Saber Chris Hero, where Chris Hero always beat Zack Saber and Saber could just couldn't get past Hero. They could like make this into another scenario like that where obviously Ethan Page is very different from Chris Hero, but he could be a situation where like Zack Saber like Ethan Page is just one of those guys where he just can't seem to figure out right. or he always like manages to one up him in one way or another. Uh, as far as other matches, you mentioned the Keith Lee, Donovan, Dijak. I mean, that's one that I'm, I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to, too, because, it, as you said, for people that haven't seen those people, I uh, haven't seen them live. Like, Keith Lee's a guy that just pops out live, and, and Dijak's the similar way, too. I think, like, once you see how tall he is and then see what he does in the ring, it just makes it that much better. And like you're saying, these two dudes, uh, we saw this at Evolve 81, like, they're just going to go nuts here and just do some crazy stuff. So I'm uh, looking forward to that. Anything on the show that we haven't mentioned, maybe some of the undercard, anything that sticks out to you as a match you definitely want to see or are definitely looking forward to seeing? Well... Before I get to that, I just want to quickly mention the as far as Keith Lee versus Donovan Dijak, I think that's going to be a match where a lot of people are going to be upset if Dijak wins. And I think all of us, myself, uh, Case Lowe and Warren Taylor, who did the preview, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure that we all picked Donovan Dijak to win. And I know it's been sort of a, been an issue of late with some people that Keith Lee's been sort of you know, losing, I guess, in their view, more than he should be losing. Uh Personally, I don't mind that necessarily as much because, I mean, if you consider who he's lost to, I mean, he lost to Chris Hero, who that was his last weekend, and then Ricochet, which I didn't mind necessarily because I think you wrote it in your review because I think you reviewed that show. Mm -hmm. Uh, It took a lot. Even though Ricochet won, Keith Lee looked like a monster because Ricochet did all this. He had to bust out everything in his arsenal to beat him. So it's like one of those situations where yeah, Keith Lee lost, but it's not like he looked bad in losing. No, sometimes you gain more by losing than you did right. winning. And, and that yeah. was, I thought, a case where he absolutely did yeah. gain enough. It was like then, one of those respect things that was like, right. man, like he really showed that he's he can go. I mean, yeah, he didn't win it this night, but man, he's he's great, and this right. guy's got something he, for the future. But so. then he lost to O'Reilly on the last weekend. But again, O'Reilly is a he's a guy who's you know he's working involved right now, but obviously he's it's not going to be a guy who's going to be sticking around very long if he's going to be presumably going to NXT sometime in the near future. So I mean, it's not like, yeah, he's been, he's lost a couple of matches here and there, but it's not like he's lost to guys who are like regular full-time members of the Evolve roster. Um, plus he, he, I think those people like will f- tend to forget that Keith Lee still has a victory over Zack Sabre. So I think that's something that even though, yeah, he's had these losses, but he still has a victory over the Evolve champion or the current Evolve champion. Yeah. So yeah. that's, that's, it's like, yeah, he has those losses, but, he still has that big one in his pocket that he can bust out at any point. And even with those losses, he still looked 
like he had confrontations on the last set of his shows where I think he prevented Ethan Page and Drew Gallagher mm-hmm. from destroying yeah, the He's been in the mix. He's been in the mix so one he's, way or he's another. Been kept, he's been kept pretty strong, and I don't yeah. think the losses have really hurt them that much. No, I, mean, I think, yeah, no, what, what my thoughts are as far as that is that right now they're in a weird position of all where they can use a Kyle O'Reilly. They can use a Donovan Dijak. I don't know if in a month they're going to be able to use those guys. So I feel like it's something where, yeah. you know, you have to, unfortunately, you kind of have to do a holding pattern with some guys, and not everybody can be pushed at the same time or whatever. So Keith Lee, a guy who I, I know that they are think highly of, and they're going to do big things with Keith Lee. But maybe it's a point where it's like, hey, look, and, and I'm sure Lee understands. We got Kyle O'Reilly for two months, whatever it is, hypothetically. I don't know what it is. Hey, we got Donovan Jijak for a few months. You know, let, let's use these guys. Let's see what we can do with these guys. And let's tell some fun stories with them while they're here. And then, you know, what might be the great story is, you know, maybe Keith Lee sends Kyle O'Reilly off. Maybe Keith Lee is the one that finally defeats Donovan Dijak and sends him away from Evolve or whatever. Maybe they're using those guys to kind of build them up, heat them up a little bit, because Gabe's always good about that. Gabe never is in a situation where when a guy leaves, other than the Galloway situation, you know, uh, during the Orlando weekend, that was one that probably caught him by a little bit of surprise. But as far as more times than not, Gabe's going to be in a position where the guys that are leaving, he is going to maximize their leaving. And that's a Paul, that's an old Paul Heyman thing. And, and Gabe comes from the Paul right, Heyman school right. of booking. It's like, all right, you're leaving. Cool. What we're going to do is we're going to use you until you're done. And then we are going to pass everything that you right. have onto another guy. And that could be yeah. Keith Lee. I mean, Keith Lee could just be kind of willing away, you know, waiting, waiting, waiting. And then when they get the idea that O'Reilly's going, okay, look, this is my last show. I'm reporting to NXT here. Dijak goes, okay, this is my last show. I'm reporting here or whatever. Then you maybe you have a guy like Keith Lee come in there and beat those dudes and, and, and gain all the, the momentum from them. So I, I feel like there's a plan there. And knowing that they have Lee for more than a few months and more than a few weeks or whatever, they can let that plan go. And then if it's not, maybe it's just that, hey, we got Kyle O'Reilly for a few months. We're going to use him to the fullest. And, and we can't push everybody right now. So right. someone's got to go to yeah. the Yeah, and, and, so. and just to go back quickly to Keith Lee versus Donovan Dijak, um, I think the main reason why I picked him to win here is because I can't, I wouldn't see them booking this match again so soon after their match at WrestleMania weekend, just for Keith Lee to beat Dijak again. So I think it's a more likely scenario that Dijak wins, and then at some point, maybe at the, I think one of their next shows in June is in Melrose, Massachusetts, which is pretty close to the home base uh, beyond wrestling, where those two guys have made yeah. a big name for themselves. So I could easily see. Dijak winning here and then them doing a, like a rubber match, a big like a third uh, final match between the two in Massachusetts to kind of decide the rivalry. Uh, and as far as the undercard, as we mentioned, anything there that's really sticking out to you? Uh, Leo Rush, Austin Theory, that'll, of course, be a, a big old flying fun match there. Freddie right. Hi, Jason Kidd, mm-hmm. looks fun, too. And I think a lot of people are going to be surprised by the uh, dickinson Jaka versus Matt Nix and Isaiah Velasquez. I think uh, those Nix and Velasquez, particularly Velasquez, I, I really think, I mean, he's a guy that doesn't get a whole lot of opportunities because he doesn't leave Chicago much. So he's he's a big deal in, like, some, you know, Chicago Indies or whatever, but doesn't do a whole lot uh, other than that. But I think this will be a good moment for people to kind of stand up and really see what he's capable of. So I think that's going to be a match that's going to surprise a lot of people. But, yeah, really, I look at Leo Rush and Austin Theory as a match that definitely sticks out because that's just going to be absolutely nuts, right? Right, right. Yeah, it, it was right in my preview, and I, I and I just had this epiphany that's like, these guys are both slightly younger than me by, by either a few months or a few years. So it's like, man, I'm getting old, and I'm only 23, and that's just that just made me feel really weird. But yeah, that, that that match should be good. I thought Austin Theory actually had a really good weekend uh, on the last set of shows where he had a really good match with ACH. Uh, it's probably been his best uh, his best match in Evolve so far. Um, and what's great is that you know he's I mean 
he might not have the best matches now, but you have to realize he's only 19, so he's only going to get better, you know, as time goes on. Um, and then as far as the tag match goes, I mean, I've never, I have personally never seen Nick's or Velasquez. Um, Nick's I know, I've never heard of before, but I know Velasquez had, I guess, a number of matches with Mustafa Ali, mm-hmm. who's now on 205 Live, that I know, that I know, from I think like last year, the year prior, got some high praise from a lot of people. Um, and it's, in general, you, I mean, obviously they're not going to win because I think that's a title match. Um, but obviously it'll be a big, like, big you know, uh, showcase for them because uh, even though freelance is an indie and it's gotten a lot of uh, a buzz over the last two years or so, there are still a lot of people who don't who have n- like never seen beyond or freelance wrestling and seen guys like Velasquez and Nick's. So, and then I'm one of those people. So they are getting to get, I or being seen by a much larger audience now. Yeah. And so they, they should, this is obviously be a big opportunity for them. And again, even though they're not going to win, uh, it could land them potentially spots on the Evolve roster. Yeah. And that's, that's sort of, you're seeing the pecking order of wrestling at play here a little bit where, you know, Evolve is, is always been, and, and, you know, any game promotion is always kind of the stepping stone to WWE and they pick, you know, <laughs> a lot of his guys, you know, for, up right. from under him and, mm-hmm. and he, you know, is doing the same thing. Hey, we're featuring freelance. Yay. Here you go guys. And then like, you know, if Isaiah Velasquez does awesome, he might go, Hey, you know, Hey, you want to come to Michigan? Hey, you want to come, you know, and that's what happens. And that's kind of the, the pecking order is, you know, you, these guys, now he gives those guys features and, and, and Gabe is a great eye for talent. So there could be an opportunity to, to grab a lot of guys and really fill this roster up. Cause the, the undercard is, is, you know, it's not, I won't call it not deep, but it, you know, it's the same, you know, 15 dudes, you know, wrestling each other every time, you know, every single night or whatever. So it mm-hmm. might be worth getting a few of these guys. And if not, if it's just, hey, we go to this place and we we feature some of their independent guys, I'm all for that too because I think there's a lot of great talent across the country. And, and just filling out these undercards with a little bit more than just the same, you know, 10, 15 dudes or whatever it, it is a really good idea. So I'm looking forward to that. And, and it seems like that's something that's going on with uh, Evolve and, and the WN in general um, for the next little while. So, so I'm excited to see that. And this is kind of the first... A major one, but yeah, beyond will be a, be a big point too, and at Evolve eighty five, so or eighty six rather. Uh, but speaking of Evolve eighty five, let's get into that real quick. Uh, that's going on May twenty first at seven uh, p.m. Central, eight p.m. Eastern time. And if you're wondering, hmm, something else is going on at that time. You're right, uh, Backlash is going on at that time. So Gabe running head to head with WWE Backlash. That's yeah, that, uh... that that's a weird one because <laughs> I mean I I understand that if they dropped the NXT thing on them like last well re- relatively last minute, but I'm pretty sure this date has at least been on the calendar for no, the yeah, WWE yeah. pay-per-view for some time. So it's like you would have think they would have scheduled it earlier in the day. Or even if once it became known that, oh, yeah, this is going to be backlash, they would have at least done what they did with the Fall 84 and at least moved it to earlier in the day. <laughs> Not but... having it head-to-head, but maybe he's wondering, hey, nobody wants to watch it. If backlash isn't doing it for you, you can switch on your flow slam. I, hey, mean, I'm, I'm, I might have both up and might switch between the two. I kind of like that, right. idea, you know. I mean, I find uh, I, I'm not a big fan of Sunday night indie shows, but then again, I'm sure that Evolve 85 probably has a pretty good chance to be at least a little bit better, if not significantly significantly better than Backlash. So, yeah, let's go to uh, break down the matches here real quick. You got Allison K versus Priscilla Kelly in a Shine Showcase match. You got Chris Dickinson and Jaka versus Jason Kincaid and Austin Theory. Keith Lee versus Fred Yehai. Ethan Page versus Donovan Dijak. Um, Tracy Williams versus Kyle O'Reilly. Uh, WN Championship match, if, of course, Riddle is still champion. Matt Riddle versus Jeff Cobb. And then Evolve Championship match, if 
Zack Sabre is still champion. Zack Sabre defending against Leo Rush. What stands out to you right there on that night? I mean, for me right there, Matt Riddle and Jeff Cobb is, is probably the number one. Right, right. Yeah, and they obviously uh, Cobb's debut match was in Evolve, was against Riddle at Evolve 74. And he kind of shocked everyone when he actually beat Riddle in a match that I think it, it was it wasn't like a really short match, but it wasn't a very long match either. And it was one of the only times where Riddle was kind of decisively beaten by anyone. So this is Riddle's shot, obviously, to get or sort of, sort of a avenge that loss against Jeff Cobb. Uh, if it gets a little bit more time than their first match got, I can see it being really good, or at least being an improvement over their first match, which was really good. Um, but yeah, yeah, I think that. I'm not sure if I would say that's going to be at least my most anticipated match. So I thought Zack Sabre Jr. and Leo Rush had a great match at Evolve 83 last month. So as far as like the matches across the card, I think Sabre versus Rush is the one that I'm at least looking forward to the most. Yeah, uh, otherwise on the show, um, some undercard stuff that I'm really looking forward to, Keith Lee versus Fred Yehi seems like a very interesting <laughs> kind of dynamic there right. of those two. Mm-hmm. And uh, Tracy Williams versus Kyle O'Reilly. I mean, Tracy Williams is a guy that I don't really love his style all the time, but I think in a match against Kyle O'Reilly, I mean, that's two of the best, you know, ground game grappling type guys. I mean, that that is really one that I'm definitely looking forward to. I mean, Tracy Williams sometimes can bore me if he's in a match with a guy that I'm like, ah, geez, this guy could do so much more, and Trace Williams just kind of slowing it down. But against a guy like O'Reilly, I think that could be a really stiff and really good-looking, you know, right. submission ground game type of match. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. I mean, that's I, I never thought I'd really be anticipating Trace Williams match as much as I am, but uh, O'Reilly's so good that I feel like that's going to really work uh, with the two of them. And, uh, yeah, I'm really looking... Keith Lee versus Freddie Ahai is kind of my sleeper of the entire weekend. I mean, that's one that... that has a chance mm-hmm. to maybe be a little weird and maybe not work, but it has a chance to be really awesome too if everything just right, kind of right. Yeah, yeah. I think as far as Williams and O'Reilly goes, I think I I know a lot of people liked uh, O'Reilly versus Yehi from last month, and I I liked it a lot too. But a problem I had with it is that it it was a little too long for my liking, and it did have a few uh, lulls in the match. So if they if it, they can keep this if Williams and O'Reilly can keep it from going overtly long, and if they don't have as many dull points as uh, Yehi versus O'Reilly, which again, like I said, I still really enjoyed. It was one of the best matches on that show, but it could have been better if those things weren't a factor. Uh, I think Williams and O'Reilly could potentially have an even better match here, though. It's for me catch point. The whole catch point thing is more fascinating to look at from the storyline perspective because mm-hmm. so obviously they went over a huge change on the last set of shows um, where Yehi and Riddle both left the group and now it's just Williams, Dickinson, and Jaka with uh, Stokely Hathaway. So I, I wonder, I'm curious, what are, what are your thoughts on that whole change? Um, I, I like it because I think they needed to do something different and I like the story of Tracy Williams being kind of the jealous guy. You know, he's jealous of Riddle that he kind of came in and, and, and stole a lot of the spotlight. So I enjoy that and I think Stokely's a, a good addition as well. Um, as far as the depth of them, though, it, it just seems like a weird fit because I, li- I like Dickinson and Jaka, but they just I don't know that they fit on in my ideal of what I thought Catchpoint was. So I don't know that Catchpoint is really Catchpoint anymore. I feel like it's kind of its own thing now. So it yeah. does feel a little weird in that sense. Like I just feel weird calling it Catchpoint because it's like I don't. It's just Tracy Williams, right? Like, yeah. So that that seems a little weird. But I like this idea of of, of Tracy only want to separate or only want to really 
surround himself with yes men and only you know being a very jealous guy yeah. and being you know mm-hmm. so that's a cool little story too and i hope they do a little bit more with that and i hope that stokely can kind of right. work his way through that because we know that tracy's not you know the greatest <laughs> on the mic either he's kind of a little dry too so stokely's a good little you know addition to that team but yeah my one thing is that it just doesn't really feel like catch point anymore and i think it right. might be time to just give them a whole new persona and give them a whole new thing because yeah what catch point was just seems like the old evolve it, you know what i mean it did, and we yeah. talk about this a lot and you've mentioned your reviews um in terms of like the what evolve is right now and it's obviously it's going through a weird little period where it's not quite sure you know it's transitioning away from this and it's becoming this but what is this and i think it'd be a really good time to to maybe not be catch point anymore and be something else and sort of grow that stable and grow i think tracy williams can grow a little bit more being not associated with catch point and being associated with whatever this new group is with him as the clear leader of this group right right and i guess like i'm after it happened, I and I after I think about it more, I, I was totally fine with the idea of you know Riddle and Yehai kind of going on their own, um, and I liked the idea of Hathaway hatching onto these guys because obviously after Thatcher lost his evolved title and after he lost his match with Matt Riddle last month, which was for the uh, WWN title, uh, I think it was pretty clear that he needed to attach himself to somebody else. Uh, now that Thatcher has seemingly failed at every turn in the last couple of months. Um, but I guess my only thing about this that I was really kind of on was the fact it just seemed like the whole story. And again, like I don't mind Hathaway, this whole catch point setup right now. Uh, it just on the last set of shows just seemed to kind of come out of nowhere, at least in my view, because I, I know Williams, I think in a promo where you talked about how, you know, catch point was, they weren't focused or any or something along those lines, but it was like, they arguably hadn't been or were the most successful they had ever been coming out of WrestleMania weekend because they had three championships, which if you include the <laughs> right, FIP yeah. championship, and even though you know Williams and Yehai lost the titles to Dickinson and Jockey, like that was a battle between catchpoint members. So it's not like the title left the stable at all. I was going to stay in catchpoint no matter what. So I, again, I don't think or I don't mind the Hathaway pairing with catchpoint storyline. Though I do think on the last weekend, at least in my view, it just sort of just came out of left field. And uh, I think it could have used at least maybe another weekend to fully develop into that. But but that's just my opinion. And again, like I said, I don't necessarily mind it. It's just for in for my money, it was a little too quick, if that makes any sense. Yeah, no, I'm with you too. And maybe we'll get a little bit more this weekend. And I think that's one of the things I'm really looking forward to this entire weekend. I'm obviously going to Evolve 84, and then I will definitely check out Evolve 85, probably not live, but maybe, you know, later in the in the week or whatever, is just seeing the stories. Because, yeah, you mentioned in your columns, everybody that's really looking at Evolve right now knows that it's in a period of transition and it's really interesting to see that there's so many different dynamics and stories that can come through this weekend and really build up to, you know, future shows. So, so I'm looking forward to it from that standpoint of like people that have been invested in the stories. Now we're kind of left with a lot of questions like this entire show. You and I have basically been like, yeah, that seems, I don't know, maybe uh, you know, like that's been what, so that what's cool though, is I hope at the end of this weekend, we have some clear ideas of right. okay, More who's clarity. with who, who's doing what, you know, what's the, and that's cool. I kind of like that idea. You know, we're, we're sort of talking about how we're not sure. And it's, it's kind of questioning, but, that's how wrestling should be sometimes. You would hope that after this weekend, though, that now there's a little bit more clarity. Now there's a little bit more direction. But going into a weekend with a lot of questions, a lot of 
uh, concerns maybe of, of who's going where, what's what, you know, all that sort of, is a good thing, I think. And and this weekend, if if at the end of the weekend we have ideas and, and things have kind of been fleshed out, then then I think it's a little bit better. Because I think the Everything Evolves crew had the same thing. It's like, it's so hard to predict Evolve 85 because it's like, man, a lot of stuff can happen at Evolve 84 right. that could really affect mm-hmm. it. And that's kind of the art of, of you know, a, a WWN or an Evolve weekend. So I'm definitely looking forward to these two shows. Um, and I think they're really good shows on paper, and I think they're going to deliver as well. And I'm excited to be in the crowd uh, for 84. Uh, and Sean, as you mentioned, you're going to have the review uh, of Evolve 85 on VoicesWrestling.com, so we uh, definitely look forward to that. But uh, before we go, Sean, do you want to let people know again uh, where they can follow you and what you do for the website? Sure. So they can follow me on Twitter at S-A-S-E-D-O-R-2994. Uh, as far as what I do for the website, I do a little bit of everything, mainly a mix of Evolve, Ring of Honor, uh, and then if needed... Uh, New Japan as well as WWE for previews, reviews, that sort of thing. Um, and then if you want to check out my blog where I review wrestling stuff, uh, you can go to DX vs. NWO 1994 at Blogspot or DX vs. NWO 1994.blogspot.com. Uh, there's a link to it on my Twitter page. So if you just go to that, it should take you straight there. Absolutely. All right. Well, you have fun uh, standing outside taking photos of people. I hope the weather will be nice. So oh, no, uh, you can I do think, that. I but... think we're doing it indoors. So we should oh, good. Okay. Phew. Okay. Yeah, so you don't have to worry. Because so... I have, uh, we have horrible weather right now today uh, in Chicago. So I think that you guys are probably getting that tomorrow. So hopefully uh, <laughs> it doesn't. Hopefully. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully. you're indoors. But uh, anyway, enjoy that. But no, there's a lot of really good weekend here and a lot of good wrestling to watch. Um, so yeah, Sean, I, I definitely appreciate you coming on here to uh, help us uh, preview the Evolve weekend. No problem. <laughs> All right, join us now to talk about NXT TakeOver Chicago. Alex Wenlin, what's going on, Alex? Not too much, Rich. How's it going? Not, not too bad. Uh, for people that don't know, what do you do uh, for the website? People that didn't listen to the WrestleMania Weekend podcast, of course, because you uh, did our NXT preview on that. But for people that did not listen to that, uh, how would they know you and, and what do you do for the site? Yeah, uh, I, uh, for a long time, covered NXT for uh, Voices Wrestling. I... Uh... Uh, also a frequent on uh, the group reviews and previews for uh, various shows. Um, not writing as much right now, but uh, do a lot of editing uh, for the site as well. All right, cool. So let's get into uh, TakeOver here. This is a show that you're attending live as, as well as I am. So when, uh, maybe a little bit of background, when did you decide I have to go to the show? Was it from the minute it got announced or was there a certain match that, that hooked you? For me, it was when it was announced. Um Last time uh, NXT came through this area, uh, they were at Turner Hall in Milwaukee, which is the favorite venue of both myself and Kevin Owens. Um, uh, but Turner Hall holds 1,100 people or something like that. Um, so it's uh, it's a great place to watch a show, and NXT was NXT at that point. It was uh, at the peak of its uh, powers, and it was a great show. And uh, it, even if... NXT isn't quite what it was before. Uh, if a takeover is coming through, uh, I think you should probably go see it. Absolutely. And of course, as you mentioned with Turner Hall, you are from the Milwaukee area from Wisconsin. Um, are you driving up? Are you coming in down early? Or are you just driving here or driving to Chicago for the show and then driving back up? What's kind of your plan for the day? Uh, I think we're doing a uh, um, an in and out. Uh, the, uh, the guy I'm going with is uh, buying a house and has to pack up and everything. So... Uh, <laughs> Uh, and this does is he married? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And this was okay. Well, we bought the tickets a while ago. I think we had the tickets before they had it. Oh, uh, okay. All right. Yeah. 
and he's still allowed to go. Well, you know, we've already got the tickets. Right? <laughs> You're right. That's I, I, I appreciate that because I feel like that would not have worked the same in my scenario. But uh, sure. but it, it's takeover. I mean, come on. I'm not missing takeover. How many other times I going to come to Chicago? But so that's really cool. Yeah, I've done that before with uh, Milwaukee Bucks games before, and also you know Milwaukee Brewers. I mean, it's it's not a bad drive. It's an easy drive. You know, time can be you know what an hour and a half, two hours, two and a half maybe at max if there's a bunch of traffic. But it's not too bad. I mean, it's pretty easy to do that. So yeah, I uh, I don't blame you for that because it's very expensive to try to spend the night here and. Uh, you don't want to sleep on people's couches, and I didn't invite you to sleep on my couch. That, that is my fault too. So I should have yeah, done that. Yeah, no, but... I think the couch is taken by Case. Oh, that's true. Yes, K- young boy Case will be uh, sleeping on my futon and walking my dog. So that's uh, <laughs> he's got that. So uh, uh, yeah, let's talk about this takeover card a little bit because my background of the show was when it initially got announced, I was already going to Evolve, and I was like, well, geez, Evolve is running the same time as Takeover, and I already have Evolve tickets. I'm not going to Takeover. And then when they moved Evolve to earlier in the day, I said, ah, you know, maybe I'll go to Takeover. Maybe I'll think about it. Uh, it didn't really take me much time to think about it because I had a friend that was like, hey, Takeover, I bought tickets. And I was like, all right, well, whatever. <laughs> I guess I'm going now. So, Because uh, I was initially going to be like the uh, jilted uh, indie fan that was like, no, I'm not going to Takeover. They ruined, they screwed with Evolve or whatever. But yeah. uh, I got tickets bought for me. And now as the matches got announced and as I watched NXT TV, which I wanted to kind of get into, uh, NXT TV has been awesome lately. I think the last four or five weeks have been almost as good as it's almost ever been in, or at least from the glory days, like you mentioned back in the day, you know, a few years ago when it was like every week was, you know, really awesome stuff. It was, you know, great stories and they built to these awesome takeovers and the takeover shows always delivered. It has been a while since we've really had that consistent, you know, TV being week to week. Great. I thought, what are your thoughts in the last few weeks of NXT TV? Cause I thought it's been awesome. Yeah, it has been really good. Um, the, uh, you know, I, I think what really got people recognizing that, um, well, it's two things that, that, that got people to realize that NXT was back uh, on a weekly TV basis. It was um, the debut of Ruby Riot and the feud with Nikki Cross. I think people perked their ears up for that. And it was those uh, Roddy Strong yeah. vignettes. Uh, I mean, those have gotten uh, uh, tons of praise. But I think the uh, reignition of the women's division was uh, kind of looked over. Yeah, no, I, I agree as well, because I think that's an important dynamic of what made NXT NXT at its time. I mean, you know, people brought up, you know, certain names that 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 really were like the top tier guys, you know, your Finn Balor's or whatever, your Kevin Owens, your Sami Zayn's, your Neville's and those sort of guys. But what really brought it together is because, yeah, on any given, you know, WWE show, any given, you know, indie, you're going to get top, top tier you know, main eventers and, and really great wrestlers. I mean, now there's there's just so many of them. But what made NXT NXT was the fact that somewhere in the middle of that show or the semi-main event or whatever, you were just going to get an amazing women's wrestling match. And you just didn't get that everywhere. You definitely didn't get it on WWE main roster. And unless you were really hardcore into, you know, Shimmer or, you know, Stardom in Japan or whatever, you weren't getting that sort of stuff. So it was just an incredible thing. And I think they found a bigger market from those women's matches. And, and that being just something that everybody could subscribe to. And, and I think it was cool, too, because it was unique for most you know wrestling fans we grew up with with women's wrestling especially if you were kind of an american wrestling fan you grew up with women's wrestling being a joke being you know a broad panties a turkey bowl you know that sort of crap so seeing like women just go out there and just kick ass and just have great matches made nxt feel unique and feel different and they kind of lost that they got a little away from that not to say that the people they brought in weren't you know that they didn't try, but they just weren't as talented. You could definitely see that 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 it wasn't the same talent level. Oscar was obviously a head and shoulders above everybody else, but now Nikki Cross is, I think, has really figured out what what she's going for and really figured out 
uh, or really honed in on, on her character. And Ruby Riot, of course, the, the, the former Heidi Lovelace, is a great addition as well. And we're saying all this with Ember Moon, you know, knocked out of the match as well. But I still think with those three, we're seeing something great here. And I think they've, uh, in the past few weeks, built up really good TV. And I'm, I'm really looking forward to that match. That is probably my second most anticipated match on the entire show. Uh, we'll talk about, you know, my most anticipated here in a little bit. But, yeah, and you did mention as well those Roderick Strong uh, vignettes. And I think those are just incredible. And I mentioned that in my preview. Uh, we've mentioned it on Twitter as well. Like, the idea that WWE and roster can't do those sort of videos is just ridiculous. I mean, that that in how many minutes? What, three minutes or whatever a night you were able to get everything that you need to know about Roger Strong. And how are you not going to root for Roger Strong now? You know what I mean? Like that night he's going to come out and everyone's going to root for him. Cause it's like, I know his story now. Now I know, you know, his, his rough upbringing. I know his, you know, issues with his parents. I know he just had a child, his beautiful wife. Like, you know what I mean? Like, how do you not want to root for a guy when you just basically know the human behind them? I mean, it's incredible. And how did we not know this for, you know, the, the decade we watched Roddy Strong? Right, right. I've never cared about Roger Strong as much as I care about him right now. And this is, I, I've watched him, like you said, a decade, decade plus now. I've been watching Roger Strong. He was just kind of a guy for me. And it's like, oh, geez, within, you know, three minutes a, a night or, you know, in total nine, ten minutes, I know everything about the guy and I love him more than I ever have. It's just yeah, incredible. I've, yeah. I've always loved his motor. I feel like I've been kind of a, a high man on Roddy Strong for a while. Um, I, I, I think live, he's one of the most, you know, that motor that he has is just, spectacular and um now for for him to actually have a persona and a character and somebody you can get behind personally oh it's awesome uh, which is the best part about that too is that his character is like roger strong it's just like hey what motivates you roderick okay let's tell people what motivates you okay there you go you're ready to go like it's not rocket science like it's just no. you know find out what makes these people tick find out what their motivations are, find out a little bit of their background, and there you go. Now, Roderick is fighting, you know, people can get behind the story of a Roderick Strong. He doesn't have to be an over-the-top weird character. Whatever. He could just be a guy that's, you know, hey, I've always wanted to wrestle. You know, wrestling was my outlet for my, you know, rough childhood or whatever, and now I have a kid, and you know, I want to, you know, <laughs> win matches and make money and, and, and have a good, you know, career so that I can raise my child and, and raise my family or whatever, and, you know, this is the thing that I do, and it motivates me. Like, there you go. It's not that hard. It's just find out what makes these people tick, so it's just a, it's a incredible how often they just fight this and it's just like that that easily you can just do it so uh let's get right into him though because um him versus eric young in our what i'm assuming is our opener i'm assuming we'll get some dark matches uh here and there i'm a little nervous because i'm coming from evolve and uh gabe sapolsky i know he's good about windows but i know he's also uh, not great about starting <laughs> shows on time yeah. so uh, i'm a little worried i got 230 to what like 615 i think is what they list on our ticket for this evolve yeah, i think so or for, or for takeover so yeah <laughs> that's gonna be tricky you know given that chicago traffic is usually pretty reliable and never you know a pain no. in the ass so that should never be, uh... never questionable <laughs> no especially around the airport i mean you can usually just breeze right through that airport which i'm from but uh yeah i'm kind of worried i don't know if we're getting any pre-show i don't know what we're getting here but the first announced match uh roger strong versus eric young what's uh what are your thoughts on this match and what are you looking forward to well first off we are getting a, a sizable pre-show because they're doing the uh uh, Alistair Black is having a match, and uh, Drew McIntyre versus Wesley Blake. Uh, those are both on next week's NXT, which is a, a, a special from the Allstate Arena. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. okay. That'll be a useful episode of NXT. <laughs> um, this match, uh, I think this kind of mirrors the main event, actually, which we'll, of course, talk about in a little bit. Um, but it's, uh, you know, Roderick Strong, uh, you know, hard-hitting uh, high energy type guy versus Eric Young, who's in that TNA mold of NXT that we've got right now. It's um, um, 
but I, I think Eric Young's done really interesting work in NXT with uh, Sanity. It's, um, you know, they haven't been given the profile that a lot of these stables kind of fall into when you think of a numbers game type of thing. But um, I think they've been, um, they've been really interesting in the sense that their goal isn't winning. Their goal is destruction. It's sort of what the Wyatt family maybe should have been rather than what they turned out to be. Um, and Eric Young actually seems dangerous because of it. Um, and they've, they've done a number on a lot of guys um, without looking weak or weird or uh, what have you. And I think, um, you know, I, it, would be, it would be nice for Roddy to overcome this when so many people have failed to overcome sanity and... Roderick Strong has lost so many matches recently. Yeah, I agree. I, I hope that Roderick wins, and I, I think after all those vignettes, like you kind of have to have him win. <laughs> like you can't do like the "Hey, he just had a child, and how beautiful is it?" Oh, he lost to to Sanity. You know, they, Jeez, beat, they beat. Yeah, they beat the hell out of him. So, like, I mean, but yeah, but um, what I thought you your point about Sanity, I definitely because what I love about them is when they attack, it's like a pack of wolves. They just go nuts. You know what I mean? Like everyone's just clubbing each other. Like there's no rhyme or reason to how they're attacking. It's not like sometimes when like these stables attack, they like take turns hitting their finishing moves or whatever. These guys just like club you in the back and scratch and claw or whatever. And that's, I love that. I love that they're just a little unhinged in that way. So, you know, initially I didn't really like sanity. I kind of laughed at it. I kind of went, ah, I don't really know, but they've, they've seen to figure out what they should do and what their personas should be. And I, I've enjoyed it a little bit lately. And that's not to say I, I really think that's the best use of Eric Young. I think there's probably better things you can do with Eric Young, but you know, for all things considering, I, I've been okay with Sanity, but yeah, I would really, really hope that they don't win here, because I really think the best story here is Roderick wins, but then I guess you know, where does Sanity go after that if, if they you know, if Roderick just kind of beats them and, and, and shoves them off to the side, is there anywhere to go with that afterwards? Well, I you could say that for either of them. Yeah. You know, if Roddy loses, where does Roddy go? Because he's lost a lot, yeah, and that's... He absolutely yeah. has, even after those vignettes, we're like, I, I don't know, it's... um. Somebody's going to take a rough loss here. I guess that it could extend if you get uh, Noe Jose coming back um, to to run off Sanity and give Roddy a chance uh, one-on-one with Young. Um, that would be, I guess, a way you could extend it. No way, Jose. I don't. I, I don't I, what, are you, what are your thoughts on Mr. Jose? Um, throws a nice right hand. <laughs> Definitely does. Tyler Bate versus Pete Dunne for the United Kingdom Championship. I almost said the United States. United Kingdom Championship. Tyler Bate defending his title against Pete Dunne. This is my most anticipated match on the entire show, and it's not that... I know these guys are going to go out there and they're going to kill it, and I know they're going to have a great match, but I just want to know how this crowd reacts to them. Because I think, you know, in a small arena, an arena that's familiar with them, you know that they're going to get over like crazy. You know the crowd's going to go nuts, especially if it's in, you know, a UK building, or if it's even in even in the TakeOver, or even in Full Sail, people have been way into them. This is a big arena now, and this is... I'm really curious if everybody here is going to really kind of buy into this story, if they're going to buy in initially, if it's going to take these guys having to kill themselves for, you know, 10 minutes in the match for people to get over. I'm just really curious how the crowd reacts i think these guys are gonna go out there and kill it but i i just i i hope it's not to crickets i hope that people are all invested in them and and i think they i have reason to believe they will be but it's just unique it's not necessarily what you know an nxt takeover crowd is really used to with these two yeah uh well we hope it'll be for the uh united kingdom championship i think while we're talking here uh tyler Bate has his match on the um i think highly- he 
I think he won it. So, you know, the highly anticipated one that all of us forgot <laughs> existed yeah. today. Like in yeah. our Slack, in our group Slack, I went, "Uh oh, that's tonight." I forgot, but no, yeah. I think I think he retained it. So it, okay, we think so. We we're not sure, but it was. <laughs> I don't think it's. Pretty... I don't think it's because it it's against Trent Seven, right? <laughs> right. Or, yeah. Yeah. I don't. I don't think Trent Seven is going to be representing the uh, UK yeah. Championship at Takeover Chicago, but yeah, um, okay. right, we'll see. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm looking forward to this match as well. It's not my most uh, anticipated one. Um, and mine, my most anticipated actually comes with an asterisk, which we'll get to soon. But um, I'm interested to hear what you think. Um, I think if this match was 90 minutes north in Milwaukee, it would die a death. Um, I think in Chicago, it's a different wrestling town. And mm. I think the folks are a bit more... Um, engaged with, what, with what's going on outside of the highest profile things. Yeah, I think they are too. And, and that's that's my curiosity is if it's going to be like everybody knows who they are. Yeah, I know Tyler Bate. Yeah, I know Pete Dunn or whatever. Because I, I don't know. I just have this weird reservation that there are a lot of Chicago fans. And I guess this is just my idea of me being a Chicago fan and me knowing the you know people around it is they're big into like the indies and stuff, but I don't know how big they are into the UK. And I could be wrong. I don't know the traction anymore. And now obviously because UK and Europe has become such a big market, it'd be hard to believe that a lot of these, you know, quote unquote smart fans that follow the indies and do all that sort of stuff would be completely oblivious to Europe. So I 100% agree with you. I think in Milwaukee, there's no doubt that it would just die a death immediately. And and it might take the entire match for those crowds to, re- for the crowd to really get invested in them. And maybe, maybe that's going to be half the fun too. I kind of, part of me almost hopes that these guys come out to crickets and that then in 10 minutes they show, Hey, we're fucking awesome. Like you're going to, you're going to, you're going to love us when the match is over because we're going to go out there and absolutely kill it. So part of me kind of hopes that it's like that. Cause I want them to sort of show how great they are and show that despite the fact that both these dudes are, you know, under, you know, 22 and 20 years old or whatever, just these ridiculously young dudes or whatever, that they're going to go out there and they're going to kill it. And they're going to get an entire arena to go nuts for them. Um, so part of me kind of hopes that people don't react, but yeah, I, I tend to agree that if it was in Milwaukee or, or a bunch of other cities around the country that it would die a death immediately. I'm a little bit more confident that the Chicago crowds are going to know them, but, but I'm curious. I, I'll be, cause I, I've seen Marty Scroll come out in Chicago and there had been, you know, a bunch of people that knew who he was, but a lot of people that didn't, it was, you know, he debuted in AEW and it was like, you know, 75% of the crowd was kind of like, I don't know who this guy is. And I was like, really? Marty Scroll? No, you don't know who this is? So I, I, I'm curious. I'll be, uh. Uh, interested to see that, but they've done a little to develop them on WWE TV too. So if you're watching the network and you're, you're following that, you'll, you'll kind of know a little bit about them. Um, let's go to our next match here. The NXT tag team titles here. The authors of pain, of course, Occam and razor uh, defending their titles against DIY. What are your thoughts on this match? Ladder match, of course, uh, recently announced on NXT TV, which I thought really ramped it up. My anticipation level for this. I tried to avoid spoilers knowing that I was going to the show. And when they said ladder match, I went, Ooh, this is, this is good. Now I'm interested here. Still have it kind of third in, in terms of my most anticipated matches, but that's saying a lot. Cause I think a ladder match to these two teams can be pretty good. This is my most anticipated match. Um, I'm really looking forward to this one. I, uh, uh, Tommaso Ciampa, his, since he's come to NXT, has been one of my very favorite wrestlers, um, not just in this company, but in the world. I love watching the guy. I think he's, um, he's another one of those motor guys. I know um, the, the normal co-host of this uh, program is a big motor guy, and uh, uh, I fall into that crowd as well. If, if you are... Um, if you just go and you put energy and effort and see just clearly so much passion into your work, um, I'm a big fan. Uh, also, he's from Milwaukee. You're a homer. So. That's fine. No, hey, you don't have to be. No, he's definitely no. He he he's a guy that 
I think watching him live too, and I'm assuming you've seen him live a few times, there's a different connection. I think once you finally see him live for the first time, it clicks with you. Because he was a guy who, for the longest time, I just never got it. I was like, eh, whatever. But then, you know, when he came to AEW and started doing a lot of shows, and I started, you know, sitting front row especially is one that you really, you just get this guy, the guy's just a big match performer in front of people. And you just, you get, like you said, the motor from the beginning. I mean, you get the idea that this guy goes out there and gives it 110%. He never half-asses any single match. And that's, you know, unfortunately, maybe to his detriment, because, you know, the little asterisk here that you might be talking about is uh, some news that came out before this match. We'll talk. We'll get back to the ladder match here in a sec, but I uh, do have to address this. Uh, this is per F4WOnline.com, of course, uh, figure four online, the Wrestling Observer. Uh, the condition of Tommaso Ciampa is up in the air, but all things considered, the news was positive. As X-ray showed, he did not suffer a broken ankle last night. He was doing a uh, house show match in Highland Heights, Kentucky. It was him and Gargano versus Alexander Wolfe and Eric Young. Uh, Ciampa suffered what appeared to be a left ankle injury about four minutes into the match. Uh, Paul Levesque on this morning's WWE conference call said that Ciampa suffered a sprained ankle and was feeling a lot better today. So at this moment, the plans for this match uh, are unaffected. It's all uh, still there, but it's up to the medical side if they will clear him tomorrow. That kind of worries me a little bit, that little last sentence. Uh, Levesque said that they do not have any specific backup plan in place. He noted that both Gargano and Ciampa worked a lot in the Chicago area, so the match was a big deal to them, and he would hate for them to miss this opportunity, as would I. I yeah, Alexa just turned on. I don't know. What what did I say that would make my Alexa turn on? Levesque? That could be it. I don't know. It didn't go on there. I don't know. That's said something there. But, uh, yeah, is that your asterisk for this match? Is that if Ciampa can't go? Yeah, that's going to be a huge disappointment. Um, I, I would say he's uh, one of the main reasons that I said I had to go to this show. Um, I You know, we talk about Gargano being the star of DIY because he, he's, he's Johnny Gargano. He's... Uh, um, just an incredible wrestler, obviously. But uh, the thing with Johnny is that he's uh, he's so smooth and so clean, and everything he does looks like professional wrestling is supposed to look like. Uh, but Champa is uh, a manic ball of energy, and you never know what he's going to do next. Um, and for that dynamism to be lost in that match, uh, that that dynamic element would be a huge. Um, huge missed opportunity and of course it has to be two days before the the show which is <laughs> right, exactly it's ridiculous just, yeah it would suck and I, I don't know i mean obviously he said he has no backup plan you know people have mentioned you can get like you know a dawson in there or something like that but you know and that'd be fine it'd be a fun little novelty but man i just want to watch champa just go out there and kick ass you know in a ladder match because you know that that dude and that's the other thing i kind of worry about now as well is because even if it is like yeah i can go the ankle hurts a little bit but i'm fine you're not going to get, I mean, in a ladder match, there's a certain level that you got to, your body's got to be in a certain state to want to do a lot of the stuff that makes ladder matches great. And if you have a bum ankle, and, and that's not to say Chump is not going to give it 110%, but he might, you know, be smart enough to know, hey, look, my ankle's still not good. I'm not going to do this, or I'm not going to do this. So they might have to rework some stuff. So that's really disappointing that it's like that. So hopefully all the news is good, and he's out there, and he just kicks ass. But uh, if all things go well, this, I think, is going to be the best match on the entire card. Do you, do you agree or disagree? I, I think there's, there's I mean, these guys are just going to kill it, right? I mean, DIY is going to go out there and kill it. And I thought the Authors of Pain have been great as well. And I think them and, like, kind of the big men throwing these guys around in a ladder match type thing, I, I thought the dynamic is really cool as well. I think it absolutely has the highest ceiling. Um, uh, I, you know, the one the one thing with the ladder match and the ankle injury is there aren't many times where a guy gets hit in the ankle with a ladder. Um, so that could be a saving grace. They could... I think the ladder match actually might allow them to hide the injury some more uh, than they otherwise would have. Uh, I know we don't like to do a lot of fantasy booking on here, 
But oh, Joe doesn't. I'm all down. I'm all on board with the fantasy booking. The, uh, so go crazy. Fantasy there's there's a very out. easy story here where uh, Champa's out and Johnny Gargano gets a new partner and it works mm. and they get the win and Johnny Gargano is tag team champions with a new partner. Uh-oh. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. We, we've teased the DIY breakup for a very, very long time. And maybe it's a slow burn, and maybe there's there's something there, but it would be uh, an an easy way to elevate somebody who's maybe not getting the attention they need um, in NXT right now, or um, something like that. But that's a really easy story that they could build off of. Yeah, I, I like that a lot. That's that's now I got me wondering: was this a work or shoot this injury? I don't know. Are they <laughs> playing it up? Because that's good to know. Full disclosure: I spent hours of my life days weeks months years of my life uh playing like extreme warfare revenge and other oh. like wrestling tech sims so don't worry joe might not want a fantasy book but i absolutely do i mean that if it was up to me that's all we would do on the show but not yeah just, no just i uh, i lost years of uh social interaction playing <laughs> ewr in middle school okay yeah so we're, we're about the same there too yeah. yeah it was uh many a summers like i looked forward to the summer of being like great nobody will bother me and i could just sit in my house all day and play <laughs> yeah it was great it was great you didn't even need an internet connection we'd go Hell no, no, man. I would grab that laptop, go wherever, you know, because in those days it was, you know, Wi-Fi was still a little scarce or whatever. But yeah, it didn't matter. I could sit in my bed. I could go anywhere. I could go, you know. Sometimes I would go outside and go to the backyard in fantasy books. So it was good. Absolutely. My best friend in middle school, his dad lived basically in the north woods of Wisconsin. Uh, but they had a computer and he yeah. had EWR on there and it was just, <laughs> you know, weekends of fun. Good times. <laughs> That's great. Did you... uh did you? I don't know if you did this, but I had like a notebook where I would like book out like months ahead of time. Did you? Did, were you a digital man at that point, or were you still? I think we were still in the notebooks. Okay, because yeah. I would like I still have those at my house. Like once my, I was going through my house, my mom was like, "What are these?" And I was like, "Oh God, don't like, worry about just it. Burn these. Don't worry <laughs> about it. It's porn. Yeah, it's funny. It's just, you can throw them away. That's fine. Like, no, what is this stuff? And I'm like, no, 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 it's good. Like, I don't even want to try to explain to you what the hell. It's, I was doing here and what a terrible child I was. So. It's just smut, Mom. It's just smut. <laughs> right, exactly. It was, it's drugs. I was selling drugs, all right? Like, <laughs> it's the name of people that, like, it was me, like, writing down the, like, the charisma rating of certain guys. But it's like, no, that's, you know, they bought weed for me. That's how much they bought. Like, <laughs> it's I an accounting ledger. Right, exactly. Yeah, it's just me, like, booking out eight months of feuds <laughs> and trying to hope that everything worked out real well. So that was uh, ah, the good old days. So anyway, <laughs> move on here. NXT Women's Championship. Dog barking. We have officially. It's now a, a voice wrestling podcast. We have we have done it. So thank you. Yeah, that's the the first um, the first appearance of my dogs on the. That's true. Yeah, they have never chimed in. So there you go. It's uh, but it is not officially a voice wrestling podcast. Till dog bark. So that is good. To find <laughs> that. So uh, triple threat match. NXT Women's Championship here. Asuka, Ruby Wright, and Nikki Cross. I am now not saying that they are doing a worked injury because I feel like there's a lot of worked injuries going on in NXT right now. Because uh, this Ember Moon one, a lot of people have kind of theorize as a worked injury as well to kind of get a different story going on here uh what are your thoughts on this going to a triple threat versus the fatal four-way were you disappointed that it's only a triple threat are you disappointed ever mode isn't there or are you okay with what kind of happened um i think obviously we all kind of agree uh since we're a hive mind that a singles match is better than a multi-person match um but i think a triple threat is better than a fatal four-way uh, especially for these four wrestlers, because it's um, uh, it adds a dynamic that gives Asuka uh, a clear path to victory. These two, uh, Ruby Wright and Nikki Cross, have had a great feud. Um, probably the best feud on NXT lately. 
I think I'm safe in saying that. Um, and it's, uh, you know, those two taking each other out and Asuka picking them off as the, the match goes on, um, it, it writes itself. And I think it, it's a pretty clear way to uh, advance the story. And, um, I mean, we, we know Asuka's winning the championship or continuing her reign here. Um, uh, but you can tell a cool story and work a great match. That'll be a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, no, I'm definitely looking forward to it. And I thought the uh, we mentioned at the top a little bit when we were previewing this. Um, the, the story of this match has been awesome too, and I have no doubt that these guys, these girls, are going to go out there and absolutely uh, do as much as they can. And I think best case scenario is they're going to go out. Uh, of course, yeah, I, I would prefer a singles match, but I think of these three, I think these three can do a multi-women match and, and do it just as well as anybody could have. So I, I'm looking forward to that sense, and I think you're going to get a lot of really cool stuff. I think Ruby Riot's going to go nuts, and of course, Chicago being one of her former bases, she's going to, I think, be over and people are going to be into her, and I know that she's going to just go, you know, as nuts as she can and take some big spots and do that stuff. And, and Nikki Cross, like, I, I, I can't say enough about how much I've been impressed by her over the last, you know, few weeks, and I think she's finally figured out her character and really honed in on it because there was a while there it was kind of awkward it was like yeah it seemed like she was playing this character playing pro wrestler or whatever but she has just gotten it and there's a different vibe when she comes out there as well so i'm really looking forward to this match and the one downside is that there's no doubt who's going to win asuka's going to win she's going to dominate and it's going to be that next step of okay who can anybody take down asuka um so i will ask you this a percent chance on anybody but Asuka, the field, winning this. Are you at a zero? Or are you at a one? Like, is there any chance that either Riot or Nikki Cross wins this match? Well, I'm never at a zero, but I'm just about there. Yeah, I'd go about a 0.1%. Like, you got to keep a little bit, but yeah. Um, yeah, no, Asuka's winning, definitely. Just definitely works for the story. And then now, our main event here for the NXT Championship, Bobby Roode defending his title against Hideo Itami. What have you thought about the story buildup uh, for this main event? Um, I think it's been good. I think they uh, tipped their handle. Unless Adeo Itami is going to be another um, Nakamura or Kevin Owens in NXT, I think they've tipped their hand a little too much with Itami getting the best of uh, Rude at every uh, at every, every week, really. Um, Rude's never got the upper hand against Itami since he came back. Um, but I think uh, this has a chance to be the best Bobby Roode match in NXT, and um, you know I I would love to see Atami defenses against a lot of the guys who have recently come to uh, NXT like um, Drew McIntyre and Jeez, uh, um, now I can't remember who I'm thinking of. Um, uh, oh no, Cassius Ono. Oh no, he was the other one. Yeah. Of, which I mean, that should tell you enough that I forgot Cassius Ono's. Well, <laughs> yeah, it's not that hard. <laughs> we can talk about that later if you like. Yeah, I, yes, I would like to a lot <laughs> talk about that. It's just uh, it's unbelievable. Yeah, I, what are your thoughts on the Bobby Roode title reign? I, I'm I've never liked Bobby Roode, so I'm probably a, a, a not a <laughs> I can't come in here with any. I, I have a lot of bias. I'm just not a big fan of his, and I, I just I don't get it. And the theme is great. You know, the entrance is fine, but then once the bell rings, I'm kind of done with Bobby Roode all the time. And uh, he's, he hasn't really shown me much in NXT to really make me. Change that opinion. What are your thoughts? Would you be? Are you okay if he loses here, or do you think there's still more left to the Bobby Roode as champion story? I think there. I mean, I don't think there's much to the Bobby Roode champion story to begin with. Yeah, uh, this has never felt like more than a holding pattern to me. Um, there's no, there's no spark to uh, his matches. It doesn't feel like a main event. Um, He's, you know, I was going to make, I was, I swear I was going to go this whole podcast without talking about his entrance theme, but you brought it up. Um, I, there's just, 
it's a holding pattern. That's really all it is. And if they want to do something different, if they want to try and get that spark back in the program, um, I think Atami is the way to go. Um, but I, I think Rude's going to win, and he's going to continue um, with his reign. Yeah, which is uh, interesting, too, because, you know, as of this morning and as of the recording of this, there were still a lot of tickets available for the show. And that's not to say that there's, you know, it's going to be a half full building like there. I mean, I, I'm assuming they'll be close to sell out when it's all said and done. But I mean, you can get face value tickets right now. And that's like, you know, if you told me, you know, a few years ago that NXT TakeOver Chicago was going to happen and, and that thing's not going to sell out in like 10 minutes. Like my friend bought tickets like that morning with a presale code because he was like, oh, we better get in on this before, you know, everything gets sold out. And it's like we looked in our section still has a few tickets left. Like we could have bought them tomorrow. And it's like that's just really weird. And it's just I don't know if that speaks to the, the brand in general. I don't know if it speaks to Bobby Roode. But I think there's something there that, that NXT and, 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 and Paul Levesque and all those people have to look at and go, OK, you know, what are we doing here? Because this is, you know, a takeover should sell out very quickly, especially in a new market, in a market they've never been in before in a market that people can travel to like you said from milwaukee you can get people coming up you can get people i know people from st louis that are coming up like people are traveling for the show and the idea that there's still you know a, a smattering of tickets available you know 10 hours before the show's gonna start it's just or, or whatever you know t- two days before the show's gonna start it's just crazy i just would never have fathomed that for a takeover chicago of, of that being an issue yeah i can't believe a lot of stuff about this weekend um and i know we're going to talk about um you know, some some other aspects of this big Chicago weekend that uh, neither of us could have anticipated. But, um, yeah, is the whole thing has kind of felt half-assed, to be honest with you. Um, very reactionary, very defensive. Um, and, you know, we could get through this entire show and it means absolutely nothing. I could see all of these matches... Uh, keeping the champions the champions and, you know, not elevating anyone to a different level. Yeah, that's a really good point, because TakeOvers used to feel like they had so much consequence. Like, this is, like, like we said, the old Clash of the Champions used to have the same sort of feel, too, and that's what NXT yeah. TakeOvers were. That, those, it was like, this is the end of this, the end of this, this guy's maybe not going to come back after this, like, this is his last gasp, like, it felt like those. that's, that's what those TakeOvers used to be, and now it's just kind of, like you said, it could be holding yeah holding pattern is a great way to say it too and it's just like in general i don't know like all the all the champions could retain and they could have rematches of all these same matches the next takeover and like it would be you know like i don't i wouldn't be surprised by that would you be surprised if rude and tommy had another match next month like i don't no, you know i yeah, wouldn't it's... be surprised if rude and tommy had another match at the next nxt taping right right like it this uh, I, I'm very excited because the wrestlers themselves pull out the stops for these takeover matches, but I don't know um, any that they're wrestling for um, a, a real story advancement anymore. Yeah, that's a, that's, that's a really good point there um, as far as takeover. Oh, in general, though, I'm looking forward to the show. Uh, but yeah, you're saying like the consequence and story is, is kind of lacking with NXT a little bit, uh, but the matches will deliver, and I, I hope... Uh, Hope it's a full house too, and I hope the crowd's real hot. And I, I think they will be. So you always know when you go sit down for a takeover, uh, you're gonna get some good stuff. But uh, as you mentioned, we'll uh, kind of end with this. We are not doing a backlash preview on the show, and you are going to take over. You're driving, you know, from Milwaukee to to Chicago. I live in Chicago, but neither of us are going to backlash. Yeah. And none of my friends are going to backlash. And Nakamura's on the show, making his WWE pay per view debut. Yeah. And Kevin Owens and AJ Styles are on this match. Wrestling each other. Wrestling each other. And tickets are readily available. I can go find some right now. You, you, can, get, you can get in this show for <laughs> under $100. 
Right, you and I can, can go buy tickets right now. But we're Probably not doing for that. under $70 if we wanted to really look. <laughs> right. And we're not doing that. Just don't don't care to. That's weird, right? That's incredible, Rich. That's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you would have told me nine months ago that Nakamura is coming to wrestle an hour and ten minutes away from your house, I would have I would have been on the presale. Um but we're we're two days from the show as we're recording this, and I have next to zero interest in this show, and I can't believe it. It's it's remarkable, and I, I it, it my friends and I were, were the whole week. It was like, well, geez, we're not going to backlash, like because we, we go to every show. I mean, I go to almost every WWE pay per view. I can I kind of one hand the amount of WWE pay per views I've missed in the last you know ten years or whatever because it's just like yeah, you know. It's at Allstate. I, you know, the arena is always fun to go there. The arena is a piece of shit, but you know, in general, the uh, the crowds are always awesome because the arena is a piece of crap and because it's not big and because you're you're just everyone's on top of each other or whatever. It makes for an awesome atmosphere. It's made of wood. You know what I mean? Like it's yeah. it's just an old school atmosphere like that. So the the, the arena is always amazing and there's just some so many great moments that I've had there. And and usually I'll go to pay per view even if the card doesn't really do much for me. But this backlash show, it's 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 in general, it's not that the card doesn't do anything for me. It's just I I think the brand in general doesn't do much for me. And maybe that they haven't done a good job with with some of the guys because the, the, the determining factor between me and my friends was like, well, we can't miss Nakamura. And that's what, two weeks ago when we were like, hey, are we buying tickets? I was like, uh, you know, yeah, I'm kind of on the fence. And, and one of my other friends, Sean Flynn, who, who of course, you did the raw reviews for the site, was like, well, dude, we're not missing Nakamura making his debut in WWE. And I'm like, no, you're right, you're right. We can't do that. So we'll talk again next week and we'll buy tickets. And then, like, it kept going and kept going and nobody really did anything. And then I just kind of said, you know what? I don't really care that Nakamura is making his debut. And it's like, why did I say that? Like, how is that possible that I don't care? Yeah, and that Nakamura's making. I was just like, meh, whatever. I'll watch maybe. And then I've also considered like not even watching live. Like, eh, there's some good stuff going on. I might just you know do this and watch it on on demand or whatever. Like, what is going on? How is that possible? Yeah, I I I'm not sure exactly what you meant when you said it. Maybe it's the whole brand, but for me, it's the whole main roster. We were talking earlier today. I haven't watched. Um, I I don't think I've watched any main roster programming in like a month. It's just there's there's nothing to hook me it's um geez i don't know it's you know I, we talk every year about how it could be you know the wrestlemania the post wrestlemania lull and they don't really ramp up until the uh the summer the summer slam bill i almost said the summer fest bill you can see where my head's at. <laughs> <laughs> um but that's i i cannot believe that I just I have no interest in this show. I'm yeah. gonna I'm gonna put it on the iPad and I'm gonna play video games on Sunday night. Like that's there's there's nothing to it. Yeah, that's it's it's definitely interesting there. But yeah, no, um, we're not gonna do a big backlash preview because you know, and even before uh, when Joe was supposed to be on the show, we had this thought of like, you know, we were talking about what we're gonna talk about. And I was like, I don't really want to talk about backlash. I have no strong thoughts, and it's just like I don't want to do the same show. We're just like, oh, yeah, whatever. Like that's it's been that for this entire year for WWE, and I don't know what it is. Like it's not like WWE has has been particularly bad this year. It's just some sort of fatigue that I feel like a lot of people are feeling. It's just like, I don't know, like, it's just okay. Like, and I think a lot of it is you get these guys that are coming in, you get, you know, your Owens's, your Nakamura's, your Styles, you're getting all these great talents. And it's just like, they're just kind of guys on that show. And it just feels like everybody's a guy. And we just got done talking.
talking about NXT where you get a guy like a Roger Strong who is, you know, the literal definition of just a guy, but they, they go, no, 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 that's not good enough. We're not going to let this guy just be a guy. Let's do these vignettes. Let's get people behind him. And now within a few weeks, they've got people behind him. Hideo Tommy. I mean, this guy who was out for, you know, months, years, and they, you know, in a few weeks got him lit up to be in a main event. Like, you know, Bobby Roode, love him or hate him. I mean, there's still something there in, in terms of the entrance and the, the persona and all that sort of stuff. They're just great at doing that. DIY. I mean, they, they, what, geez, that's just right there for you of all, everything they've done to make that team feel and look special. And there's just nothing special about WWE main roster stuff. And especially Suzuki Nakamura, like to make Nakamura not special is just, I don't know how you do that, but yeah, it's, um, it's, it's weird to me. Hold on. Oh, that <laughs> sounds like a cat. Yeah. Hold on a second. <laughs> <laughs> that is the first I think. I don't think we've had an active cat on a. Yeah, well, we got dog two chasing the cat. It's uh, <laughs> not going well for your cat. Well, luckily we're just about over here. But uh, yeah. so again, anticip- yeah. most anticipated match takeover. And what are your, kind of your thoughts on um, in general takeover? Looking forward to it? You know, not looking forward to it as much as you might have. What's your general thoughts on, on takeover? We'll, we'll leave Backlash behind because who the hell cares about Backlash? So. <laughs> Well, uh, I, the one thing I will say about Backlash is he hasn't even wrestled a match yet, but Nakamura is already just a guy. How is Shinsuke Nakamura just a guy, and you haven't even given him a chance to wrestle a match on the main roster yet? It's absolutely ridiculous. It's it's unfathomable, but that's what happens when when people have to be on TV every single week. It just doesn't work. Um. As for my uh, top match, I, I am really looking forward to uh, take over as a, a singular event. Um, we talked before about, you know, it's just kind of not really a cohesive reason for having this show. Um, but the show itself is going to be a ton of fun. I'm looking forward to every single match on the card, including the uh, two minutes of Alistair Black we're going to have. Um, on the pre-show it's going to be a ton of fun um, and I think that'll come through both live and on the WWE Network um, and I hope there's something to build off of from here um, but uh, yeah I think uh, it's going to be a really a really good time and um, uh, good matches all around now I will ask you this are you planning on chanting with everybody are you going to be one of those annoying chanting fans that ruins a match by having fun because uh, I, I am, <laughs> I don't care. I was before the la- before the ladder match was announced. I was prepared to do a we want Champa chant. Um, I may I may refrain. Not that it's a tornado <laughs> element to it. That's awesome. Yeah, that's that's good stuff. So anyway, Alex, before we let you go, uh, if you want to just remind people what you do for the website and where they can follow you and follow your musings. Yeah, most of my stuff uh, you won't see. Uh, as I do mostly editing for the website and um, a quarterly column, which will be my first T-shirt in the VOW um, store, quarterly column, <laughs> hashtag quarterly column. Um, but, uh, yeah, you can find me at Alex Wendland if you want to talk about um, politics or uh, uh, Wisconsin sports or Liverpool Football Club or pro wrestling. Yeah, a lot of Giannis talk on the on that Twitter account, so that's always it's always. I will it, talk so. about Giannis until. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. All right, Alex. Thank you for joining us here. Yeah, absolutely, Rich. We'll talk soon. 
All right, before we get to the last segment, I do want to let you know this episode of the Voices of Wrestling Flagship Podcast is also sponsored by our good friends at Dollar Shave Club. And I made the smarter choice, and you can too with Dollar Shave Club. You can get a great shave at a great price, conveniently delivered right to your door. No more going to the store to buy a cheap disposable razor that gives you a bad shave. No more spending a fortune on razors with gimmicky shaving tech that you don't need. No more. Make the smarter choice like me by joining Dollar Shave Club. For a limited time, new members get their first month of the executive razor with a tube of their Dr. Carver's Shea Butter for only $5 with free shipping. After that, razors are just a few bucks per month. That's a $15 value for only 5 bucks. In your first month box, you're going to get an awesome weighty handle, a full cassette of four cartridges, and a tube of their incredible Dr. Carver's Shave Butter. After your first month, replacement cartridges will ship automatically at the regular price. There's no hidden fees, no commitments, and you can cancel any time. So no hidden fees, no commitments, cancel anytime. It's incredible. You can only get this offer exclusively at dollarshaveclub.com slash voices. That's once again, dollarshaveclub.com slash voices. First month box, you get an awesome way to handle set of four cartridges and a tube of their Dr. Carver Shea Butter, all with free shipping. You cannot beat that. DollarShaveClub.com slash voices. All right, and joining us now to talk about New Japan for Wrestling and the Best of the Super Juniors tournament is Jojo Remy. Jojo, how's it going? Hey, Rich. How are you? Good, good. And for people that might not know uh, what, what a Jojo Remy is, what he does, and, and who he is and where he goes, what, what's all the, what are your plugs, what do you do, uh, and what do you do for us at the website, and what do you do outside of this website? Because you have some really cool projects going on right now. Yeah, so for Voices of Wrestling, I mostly do articles and reviews uh, about Japan, because I live in Japan. Um, so either New Japan reviews or, you know, I just started a new series about the top prospects in Japan. Yeah, so which is awesome, be... by the way. Everybody should pause this right now and go watch that because it's, it's an analytical take on like, cause, and that's not to interrupt, but, but I love the, the, the approach that you took there because it's, it's so different than, because a lot of times you'll get people that are just like, yeah, here's people that I think are pretty good and here's like, you know, 10 of them or whatever. But you, and for people that don't know, you take like an analytical look at it. You like grade them on, you know, certain aspects and certain, you know, attributes or whatever. It's really cool and it's just completely different. So I, I, I give, give it up to you for originality on that one i think you really did a great job with that and i think everybody should go uh read that right now so pause this go read that and then you come back so give them two seconds okay you're back good perfect all right <laughs> perfect so yeah i do that that's hopefully going to be like at least a quarterly thing uh and then some other odds and ends like japan-based articles uh for voices of wrestling and then i have a podcast on liveaudiowrestling.com called japanese audio wrestling that i uh, inherited from chris charlton and uh, that comes out uh, once every three weeks to a month. Um, and I, you know, I usually have a guest on to speak about a specific promotion or a, a big uh, show that's happening in Japan uh, in the near future. And you know, that I think our next episode will also be about Best of the Super Juniors. So. Uh, very topical. Absolutely, and you can listen to that on uh, FightNetwork.com, and also you can follow them uh, at Law Radio and at J Audio Wrestling. J Audio Wrestling is you. Law Radio, of course, is the Live Audio Wrestling mega page, and then FightNetwork.com, and also I think it's LiveAudioWrestling.com as well uh, for the Japanese audio wrestling. We love them there. I'm, I'm big fans of, of everything they do on that website, and I've been a, a Japanese audio wrestling listener for years now. But you know, Chris and WH obviously started. I was a guest on it before, and it's, it's been awesome to see it get inherited by you and not go away, because I was really like, I was worried about it going away, and I was really hoping that it wouldn't, and I'm glad that someone's sort of taken up the mantle, and what's cool is you're taking a little bit of a different approach of it, too, so if there's people that maybe listened when, when Chris and WH were doing it, and like, ah, I don't want to listen to this new guy or whatever, because I'm, I'm sure there are people that were like that, I think you do a great job of it, and I think you've done uh, enough where 
I don't think you're going to miss, you know, Chris and WH had a, a great thing too, but I think you, what you're able to do is a little bit different as well. And I think you, you, you've definitely carried that mantle uh, perfectly. So for people that maybe are like, Oh, I'm not going to listen because Chris isn't on there anymore. I think you're going to obviously from this and the next little segment we're going to do. Um, and if you ever just go listen to him, I think you're going to get a great idea that Jojo, I, I think you do an awesome job with it. And I, I've, I've been excited too. And the guests, like you mentioned, are really cool too. I think there's a different, a little bit more variation in terms of what promotions are being covered as well. And that's not to say, of course, that WH and, and Chris were doing a great job, but I like that you'll take a, you know, cover a DDT, cover a Big Japan, cover a Dragon Gate, do a little bit more of a wide range of, of Japanese wrestling in there too. So definitely uh, J Audio Wrestling on Twitter. Check that out. Also, FightNetwork.com if you ever want to listen in. But right now, JoJo, we are going to talk about Best of the Super Juniors. And the reason I got you on to do this segment is because I'm eternally jealous because you went to the first two nights of Best of the Super Juniors. I did, I did, and they were great shows. I hate um, you. I hate you. So you, know, <laughs> <laughs> you know, the 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 funny thing is that. In order to get New Japan Corquin tickets, you if you if you want to get good seats, you pretty much have to buy the the tickets before the card way before the cards come out. Um, so when these cards came out, you know, needless to say, I was very happy to see you know Dragon Lee against Hiromu, Hiromu against uh, Liger, you know, Osprey and Ricochet obviously on these cards because I really hit the jackpot with these lineups. Yeah, you really can't beat the the first two nights of this, and and of course you were obviously there live. I've seen both shows, and I think by now, the time we're recording this on on the nineteenth of Friday, I feel like most people have seen these shows. And and if you haven't, absolutely go out of your way and watch these. I mean, I know it might be out of order. You know, by the time we're recording this, there will be another Best of Super Junior show, uh, you know, tomorrow morning or whatever. But go back and watch these two shows because I think you know back to back. I don't know that you're going to find two better Best of the Super Junior shows almost ever. And that night one, and that's the one I want to talk about first off. Uh, our reviewer Dylan Justin said that, you know, that's a potential show of the year contender, and I, I don't disagree. I mean, I thought from top to bottom, I mean, you're talking about, what you know, eight matches there, everything was pretty damn good, and even the stuff that wasn't, like, what I would call good was fine. I mean, it was really, it was like, everything on that show was just, like, above average to good, and then there was some spectacular on that show, too. What were your thoughts on the night one? Yeah, you know, something that you guys always talk about is how singles matches in New Japan are pretty protected, and to get, you know... Right off the bat, a, a show full of singles matches and, you know, some singles matches that are, you know, some of the the best rivalries in the world was really special. Um, but, yeah, I mean, right from the start, I, my second favorite match of the entire show was, was Liger and Taka. I thought they did an amazing job. Um, and I really, really obviously enjoyed the main event as well. I thought... Kushida and Desperado. I mean, we can jump in, right? Go through every, pretty much every match. I thought, like you said, pretty much every match delivered an, a very excellent uh, performance. Yeah, no, no. I didn't want to necessarily. Uh, I didn't want to do the like let, let's go over every single match and review it type thing. But now, as I'm reading through this night one, like I think there's something to say about almost every match here. I think for night two, we can kind of come up with highlights. But I, I really do want to talk about this night one because I think top to bottom, like you said, there was almost everything worked. And, and when you talk about the opener, uh, Liger versus Taka, that's one that I could see a lot of people being like, yeah, that was my least favorite match of the night. You know, it was fine or whatever. But even that was really good. And like, yeah, I I, I wouldn't if if someone said that was their least favorite match of the night, or if you said it was your second favorite. match, match you know what i mean like you could actually I, I could agree with just about anybody saying that like i it's that was what was awesome about the show is there was a little something for everybody every match felt a little bit different like you said there's big feuds that were you know worked out through the night there was just different style matches and i thought it started out with liger and, and, and taka and of course the big story with liger this entire tournament is this being his last best of the super junior so he comes out to like a thunderous roar and, and how was that in the arena too to, to just hear that because what night one and night two i mean that guy was a god you know he was he was literally the thunder god again you know Jason Liger 
Yeah, I mean, I've I've been I've been living in Japan for about a year and a half now, and I think this is my second Liger singles match that I've seen live. And yeah, like you said, the reaction is always incredible. And even like if he's in a six man, and they come out to his theme song, the the place goes crazy. Uh, so it's it's a special experience to just hear his music, and it's an even more special experience to see him wrestle live. And uh, just to back up real quick, you know, Taka, uh, on his part, you know, he came out in his Kaintai Dojo gear, blue gear, uh, you know, and really after the match, kind of credited his career basically to Liger. Um, so this wasn't your typical Taka Michinoku. This was kind of a throwback to what you may have seen if these guys were, were facing off each against each other maybe like, you know, 20 years ago or so. Yeah, what I thought was interesting is, is and, and I think our reviewer Dylan had, had the same thoughts about this too, is that it seemed like usually when Taka comes in a match, Taka's like the grumpy old prick guy, you know, the dickhead that's kind of looking to, you know, get an edge or looking to, you know, try to win as quick as possible. In this case, it seemed like Liger was the one that was kind of like trying to, and, and it's been, it's kind of carried over to the night too as well. Liger's got a different fire to him where like he really wants to win these matches. Like it's not just enough for him to go out there and be, you know, the happy-go-lucky Jushin Thunder Liger who dances around everyone's head. Like he wants to go out there and win these matches. And this one was pretty uh, particular, you know, of interest too because you have Taka who I thought was and, and worked the match a little bit like he was surprised like he didn't think that Liger was going to come out and work as well as he did and, and Liger was out there just busting his ass from beginning to end and when it was all said and done I mean this match went about nine minutes but they packed a ton into nine minutes and and yeah like you said like I said at the top you know if you said that was your second favorite match of the night or if someone said it was their least favorite I could absolutely see it because I think you can get different stuff from this match depending on your traction of those two workers depending on how invested you are in the story and you know if you like that style of wrestling or whatever but I thought it was just a, a really fun match and just really good and it was Kind of interesting to see Liger in that role. Did you did you kind of get that idea too that he was kind of playing a little bit more of the 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 desperate guy versus Taco who was kind of playing it cool? Yeah, and I think one spot that really you know illustrated that was you know Taka is usually the one that goes for the eye gouge, like you know he'll go for it maybe like fifteen times in a match or something <laughs> right, like <yeah>. that. <laughs> but Liger hit it first, I'm pretty sure. Uh, so I think that's a, and you know he I think he did a dive off the apron and he was just you know totally. Not your typical 2017 Jushin Thunder Liger. Yeah, and I, I did like the spot, though. Taka did end up uh, <laughs> poking Liger in the eye, which is fantastic because Liger's, you know, of course, his mask covers his eyes, but still, you gotta, <laughs> it still works because Taka's the best at poking eyes, so it doesn't matter that the mask is in the way. He's still going to be able uh, to poke it, so that was incredible. But yeah, Dylan went yeah. four stars on that, and I, I, you know, when it was all said and done, I maybe three and a half for me, and I'm kind of a hard marker, but I don't think that's unrealistic to go four stars here. Yeah, I had it at four stars, too, and I'm a relatively hard marker as well, so... Uh, and then followed up with Volador and Tiger Mask, which is a match that I, you know, I like Volador. Um, Tiger Mask is, is hit or miss sometimes. I like when he's he's grumpy Tiger Mask, and, you know, that has a little bit of an appeal to me. But, yeah, this, they came out, and they were just chopping each other and, and working faster than I ever thought uh, a Tiger Mask was capable of working, you know, in 2017. But I got to give it up to Tiger Mask here. I thought he busted his ass in this match and was, was neck for neck with, with Volador the entire time. And Volador is obviously quicker, more athletic, and, and, and probably a better all-around worker at this age, but... I mean, Tiger Mask did not skip a beat here. He was right neck and neck with him the entire time. Yeah, maybe he was inspired by Liger a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, damn it, now i got to go out there and try. Like, Yeah, but no, I agree. It was a great <laughs> match, and it was a little bit of the, you know, a little bit more Lucha style. Uh, 
Which is interesting because yeah. mm-hmm. Tiger Mask doesn't really have that much lucha experience. But that's a really good point. Yeah, I didn't. While I was watching the match, I was just like, "This feels different and feels weird." But yeah, you nailed it. It was Valador kind of controlled the match, and Tiger Mask was able to say, "Yeah, you know, I'll do whatever you need me to do." And yeah, it was a very much like a, a, an Arena Mexico style match, and you would not think that Tiger Mask would, would adapt well to that, given you know his track record in in, in anything but you know uh, lucha style. So now that was uh, a really good effort on on both their parts. And yeah, I, uh, Dylan here he went three and a half, uh, three and three quarters, and. Again, like I, you know, I might go three and three and a quarter, but yeah, we're basically neck, you know, the same there. It's just I'm a little bit harder of a marker, but yeah, I, I really enjoyed that. But uh, yeah, I think uh, one thing about the luchadors that are on this show are that they're really popular with the Corkland crowd, um, and that I don't really know if that really comes off on uh, on video mm-hmm. because they get great reactions when they come out every time. Yeah, we Joe and I have talked about that before with uh, the Fantastic Mania shows. That's one one of my favorite shows the entire. Have you been to one of those yet or no? Yeah, I went to uh, the second night this year, I think. Okay. Uh it wasn't the I can't remember what the main event was, but it wasn't the the best of the three shows. Okay. But either way, you know what I what I've noticed from those shows and, and one thing that I love about those is the Japanese fans, they come in and they're like, We're gonna be a lucha crowd right now. We're gonna, you know, have vavuselas, we're gonna be, you know, banging bongos, we got, you know, bells everywhere, we're gonna scream and do all the fun stuff and dance and, and have fun. And it's really cool how it carries over two shows like this because you, you nailed it with Valador, they're way over with him, and then we'll talk about it later with Dragon Lee. I mean, Dragon Lee is like a bona fide star in that that arena. I mean, he's a huge deal. And then, you know, we'll, we'll talk a little bit more, you know, main event time, but, you know, he cuts a promo and people are cheering for him and he's holding up flags and people are giving him flags and people are bowing before him. It's just, it's amazing to see that and it's really cool. And I think, uh, maybe a question for you, because, you know, Joe and I have always speculated and, and, and you obviously, you know, being there can, you know, shine a little bit more light on that. But the crowd there, for people that don't know, what, what's a typical quirk and crowd? Is it like your smarky fans? Is it your hardcore fans? Is it a blend of the two? What is it? Because they seem to be able to adapt to any style and, and seem to know almost every worker that comes in. So I, they feel like they're smart to me, but I don't know if it's just a segment of the fans that are really smart or if, in general, most of the fans there know their shit. Yeah, I would say in uh, the fans are all very smart. Um, they do, you know, research on the wrestlers. They pretty much know, and we'll talk about it in a little bit. You know, they for the for the really you know big debuts, they'll know your theme song before you come out. Uh, but I think what's interesting, you know, I lived in Tampa, Florida for almost ten years before I moved here, and so I've been to these you know infamous Largo shows that uh, that everyone talks about, <laughs> and you couldn't get two more polarizingly different crowds in the world. Um, and, you know, another r- main characteristic of a Corquin crowd is that it's basically half female. Uh, which, and that, that's, you know, people think that's just DDT, that's just uh, Dragon Gate, but it's, it's not. It's New Japan, too. All Japan and Noah, you'll see a little bit, you know, more male-dominated crowds, but um, I think that's a really underestimated thing. So, you know, good-looking guy like Volador, um, you know, good-looking guy like Dragon Lee, despite only being being able to see, you know, whatever percentage of his face. Um, and then, you know, he'll rip his mask to, to give the fans a little bit more of a peek. Um, I think that's a really underestimated thing, is that the Luchadors that, they're, that they've been bringing in, you know, you're not seeing your Maximo on this, on this, uh, this tour, right? You're seeing 
you know, loot stores that are going to resonate more with uh, female fans. Yeah, that's a really good point too. Because yeah, it, the 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 old guard of of those sort of guys, your you know, your Hatchesero is not coming in here and you know working working this tournament. It's your guys that you know, good looking dudes with with ripped abs or whatever. And I'm sure that that's yeah, like you said, not a complete accident. But yeah, what's also cool too is is and I've always gotten this idea from the Corkin crowd too is when we think you know when in America when we think of hardcore wrestling fans, you know, for better or for worse, we think of a certain archetype. It's it's usually a male, right? And it's you know maybe a male that lives in his basement he's a nerd you know he's, he's that kind of guy that's what we kind of think of as the archetype or whatever but like you said you see these corking crowds and you see how many women are in there and you see how just as much they the women know what the guy's moves are the guys i mean they know everything too they're step for step for it so they kind of destroys what you know the stereotype of what we think you know hardcore wrestling fans are because it's really cool to see that and just be in that environment that'd be one of the things i would love to do is just see a random show in corkin or, or see a fantastic mania or see something where they're a little bit out of their element and just see how well they adapt and that, that's the whole crowd in general but just to see that amount because you know you go to a, an indie show in america and it's you know there's you know 10 women there and and yeah, they know their stuff and they know but it's just not like the 50 50 split that you're getting at, at, at Corkin. So it's it's really cool to see that. And it's just really cool to see how they react to these guys coming in. And another one that they reacted well to was, was ACH when he came in here uh, for this next match and him versus Bushi. And they had a really uh, great match as well. And, and ACH came out and he was a million. I mean, people were all in on ACH. And it's like, you know, yeah, you might, you know, if they're if they're real deep in it, they might know that he, you know, made a quick appearance uh, earlier in the year uh, with New Japan. But still, like, they knew his song. They knew his moves. They knew all the manners of ACH before he even came out. And that was really cool to see as well. Yeah, I, I got the sense that pretty much everyone there knew who he was. Um, so I think they reacted accordingly. And like I said, it was an, another fun match. And he, I think he stood out as, uh, you know, putting in the performance that, you know, people want to see him take advantage of in Japan. Yeah, and he's a guy that you know is just, I mean, you can see from that smile that he just loves being a Japan man. Like if he could, if he could sign there full time, I feel like he probably would. I mean, he just absolutely adores it. And, and knowing the guy and knowing, you know, the person behind the, the ACH, you know, wrestler, he's a guy that probably enjoys that culture so much and just loves being there. So it was really cool to see him. And yeah, I thought he put on a really good performance too. I feel bad that we're not giving these guys credit because this is another match that like teetered on four stars, but it's just like, man, we're only halfway through the show. And it's, it's, it's crazy how good this chemistry was between these two, but yeah, they were flying all around the place. And, and, and these two, I really hope have another match down the line and maybe get a little bit more time. Cause I feel like, like they can really put something special together. Uh, but that's not to say this match wasn't great as well, because it, it absolutely was. But um, one match I definitely wanted to talk about here, and I'm, I'm curious on your thoughts, because I saw a little bit of a very, you know, ratings on this one, was El Desperado versus Kushida. So our, our reviewer Dylan gave it four stars. I would just about give it four stars as well, and Desperado is not a guy that usually connects with me all that much. But in this match, for some reason, it just seemed like him and, and Kushida just had good chemistry, and Desperado was just a, a man possessed as well in this match. What did you think of this one? Yeah, I think... You know, Kushida's selling in this match was may have been the single best performance uh, of the night. He was, you know, basically like the whole crowd was sympathizing with it. Yeah. And that's not something that you typically get from uh, Kushida today in Japan. You know, the crowd is somewhat split on him. They they don't necessarily like the fact that he dominated the division for so long. But Desperado, you know, come out with his new mask. Um, you know, he looked evil, right? Not evil like the rest Not of them. Not all caps. Not all si- caps. Right, right, right. Lowercase. <laughs> he looked uh, sinister, let's say. Uh, <laughs> and it really translated. You know, people identified this as not your, you know, Desperado that left to go to Noah. Not, you know, the Desperado of old. This was a... a, a a real threat to the division. And Kushida did an excellent job of putting that over, I think. 
Yeah, and this was also, I know there were some people that scoffing at the result of, oh my god, Kushida lost to El Desperado, oh my god, oh my god. But anybody who follows Best of the Super Juniors, and Jojo, you know this better, I mean, Gato loves this story of, of like, the big upset in night one, or that, you know, Kushida's, you know, might lose his, you know, first four matches and then still go out there and win. We saw it last year with Osprey, where, you know, halfway through the tournament, we're like, oh, geez, what are they doing with Osprey? I mean, he's, you know, he's, he's way down in the block, and then he just goes on an absolute rampage and wins the rest of the way. But, yeah, you knew that one of these was going to kind of come, one of these big, big upsets, and I'd say this is probably the first really big one. But I don't think it has really any bearing. I, I still think Kushida is definitely a favorite to come out uh, of the block. But it was cool to see that they at least put a little bit of a different spin on the B block and and that they held true with the upset because I think the upsets are a good idea and I, and I think they do uh, they do definitely work. And I think in that crowd you could definitely sense that people were were kind of shocked that Desperado won. But it's a good shock. I mean that, that it's definitely going to hook them for the rest of the tournament uh, and let people kind of invest in the Kushida story and as he kind of works his way back up uh, through the tournament. But did, did you get that idea as well that, that it was kind of shocking? But people still kind of know the score with, with Kushida. Yeah. And it's like you said, the, the fans kind of expect that type of result at least once on one of these shows, you mm-hmm. know, in the G one to it, it happens all the time. Um, but I think, yeah, the, the, if the goal was to elevate Desperado without tarnishing Kushida at all, that's exactly what they accomplished. Now, not the best match I would say on this first night, but maybe the most entertaining match was, was Marty Skrull versus Will Ospreay. Uh, Marty Skrull, of course, defeats Will Ospreay in this match. Uh, they're both in the A block. But I thought the interesting part about this was the slow uh, adaptation of of Marty Skrull, where the crowd was, they knew who he was, they were interested in him, they loved it. It seemed like they loved his uh, his ring attire and what he came to the ring with. And then, like, about halfway through the match, they got on the whoop-whoop thing, and it never ended, and it hasn't ended yet. How how was that, just to see that? Because it was like, maybe a few people started off doing the whoop-whoop, and then, like, you know, maybe, you know, a couple dozen. And by the time this match was over, you had half that arena doing whoop-whoop every, like, five seconds. It was just incredible. And the announcers were doing it, too. I, I know uh, you couldn't hear it when you were in the arena, but I know you said you went back and watched. But, uh, yeah, the announcers were all in on this, too. What was it like to see Marty Skrull, you know, make his debut in Corican Hall? Yeah, so this was actually... Pretty sure this is my first time seeing Marty Skrull wrestle anywhere, um, and yeah, I mean the 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 people that were sitting around me, a group of them knew the theme, you know, right when it hit, and they were doing you know, doing the whoop whooping like when when the song hit. Uh, so I think that's a, you know somewhat evidence that whatever they're doing, you know, showing ROH shows on World is translating to some small audience of the the viewers. Um, but yeah, I think. Throughout the match, they just got that over um, to a ridiculous degree. And I think something that's a little bit, you know, unique to to Japanese culture and Japanese fans is that, you know, participation uh, is is a key value of of Japanese culture. Mm-hmm. And and like, let's this is hard to communicate, but basically, like, an American crowd can be characterized as like, you know, certain groups within the crowd trying to accomplish some small uh, personal agenda, right? Like, we're trying to get this silly chant over. Right, this is my chant and I want, you know, I, I want nothing more than half this arena to start chanting my chant that I started. Right, type thing. but in Japan, the mindset is more like, okay, show me who you are, show me what I'm supposed to do to uh, react to you, and I'll gladly do it if you entertain me. So that's that's exactly what Marty Skrull is, right? Um, so he's just a perfect fit. 
yeah, I thought he he adapted just perfectly to this crowd. And it, like I said, it took like five minutes for the crowd to be completely invested in him. And, and that's just a testament to, to, to Marty Skrull. And I don't think there was any doubt that he would be able to do that. But to see how quickly it, it happened when you have guys that, that, you know, you have guys who come over and they struggle doing it ever. I mean, there's some that just never quite click. There's some that takes a while to click. You know, Juice Robinson is a perfect example of a guy who, you know, tried his damnedest to get the crowd behind him for, for so long. And it just never hit. And then when it hit, it hit really well. And it, it but, you know, it was months before that happened where Marty Skrull took five minutes and he was already, you know, a made man or whatever. But uh, we haven't talked about the match. What did you think of this match? Because I thought it was um, a, a great uh continuation of this feud and I, i'm assuming you've seen other matches in this feud but uh where do you rank it a, a, among other matches you've seen in this feud and were you you know left disappointed were you left you know overwhelmed uh did it, what, what were your thoughts when the match was all said and done yeah i mean i i enjoyed the match a lot and i think the the crowd reaction was uh, the majority of why i enjoyed it so much you know i didn't really watch it with too much of an analytical eye because i was so amazed at the reaction he was getting mm-hmm. from the crowd, um, you know, you know, bell to bell rating wise, I, I wouldn't put it, you know, at four stars, you know, maybe closer to three and a quarter or three and a half. Um, but that's not to say that I didn't enjoy it at all, because the the match was all about, you know, uh, the in, introduction of Marty Skrull. So um, but I thought, it, I mean, these guys can't have a bad match together. So I think no, that... I, I think it's literally impossible for them to do that. Like, <laughs> like this might have been the bottom half of their matches, and it was still, like, awesome. You, you know what I mean? Like, it was Marty Scroll basically playing an over-the-top Marty Scroll character the entire time and not really focusing on as much of the in-ring. Like you said, it was kind of him just being like, hey, this is everything that I do. Here's my chance. Here's my thing. You know, this is, like you said, an introduction to Marty Scroll, and they still kicked ass, and they still had an awesome match. So it's like, damn, like, these guys just yeah. can't lose. So. And I think... Uh, um... You know, one other thing is, you know, you talked a little bit about Juice, and Juice had a harder time getting over because he didn't have mannerisms. He didn't have mm-hmm. an identif- identifiable theme song. He didn't have a chant. But one guy who did that got over right away, and it, you can't necessarily credit it to his in-ring, is Moose. You know, if you remember Moose. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, that in was the, great. The honorizing, I mean, all he does is say Moose and, you know, clench his <laughs> fist, but... Um, that gets over. So it's that, t- it, that the audience participation is so important for getting over as a foreigner in Japan, especially in New Japan, um, that I think that that's exactly, I mean, he, you guys have talked about, he's put so much time and effort into crafting what this character is. And like, it was, it's ready, like out of the box, ready for core. Yeah. Uh, and, and the best thing about Moose, too, is that Tanahashi, the dickhead, just stole the Moose thing. <laughs> like, yeah, he still does it sometimes, too. <laughs> I, know, I love it. He's just like, that's cool. I'm stealing that. Bye. Like, hey, oh, you dickhead, Tanahashi. It's yeah, I mean, that's it's what it's all about. It's just <laughs> getting the crowd to connect, and it's Absolutely. very easy sometimes. Uh, so that was the third from the top match. I mean, that's it's it's like exhausting to talk about the show. I can't imagine being there live and just incredible stuff going on. Uh, and then you had the the semi main event here, which you know on paper I was like, ah, geez, I don't know, Taguchi versus Kanemaru. Uh, Dylan Justin, a reviewer, only gave it two and three quarter stars. Here's where we differ because I thought this match was fucking awesome. I thought these dudes came out like a ball of fire and just slapping at each other and whacking at each other and stuff. And and Taguchi is it's it's almost a rite of passage. It's a ritual now every single year that. People go, ah, Taguchi, yeah, I don't know. And then Best of the Super Juniors comes and he kicks ass the entire tournament and has great matches. I thought this was really good. What were your thoughts on this match? Because I guess there, there's a, a polarizing one, I suppose. Yeah, I, I really enjoy Taguchi. And seeing Taguchi live is is a is a really interesting experience. I mean, he gets... We talked about Liger's reaction, right? Mm-hmm. Taguchi is not that far off. Even on a, on a typical uh, Cork when he's one of the most popular wrestlers every single time. 
Um, and it's mostly through comedy that he gets over. Um, but nonetheless, this was obviously a very good match too. And I think pretty sure this is the hardest I've seen Kanemaru work since he's been in New Japan. They're kind yes. of playing up like I'm here for the money. Like that's his character now. And, you know, obviously the reason why he's there, but um, it's working. And, you know, even he was playing into the, the, the comedy a little bit too. So, uh, yeah, I really enjoyed this. This was a great match for the live crowd. Yeah, I thought that was what really struck me there was Kanemaru just putting full effort into this match. And that's something that, you know, I criticize him for and just brought everybody to criticize him for because we know that he's capable of more, but sometimes he just says, nah, I don't really care that much. This was one. And, and, and I like that aspect that you were saying that he's playing up that character of, you know, and, and it's a big deal for him. Winning this tournament would be a big deal for him. So, you know, he worked his ass off and, you know, Taguchi obviously got the win when it was all said and done. But uh, I'm looking forward to an entire tournament uh, of Kanemaru, you know, putting in full effort. And hopefully he does do that because uh, it was a little devoid of like kind of the normal BS that you get with a, a, a Kanemura match, too. So uh, I enjoyed that one a lot. And then we had the main event, which, I mean, geez, like, it's, you know, it's, it's kind of fun that this is now, you know, okay, now finally the main event is Dragon Lee versus Romu, which is, you know, one of the craziest, you know, feuds of all time, one of the craziest, you know, series of matches the entire time. I thought this one wasn't, you know, as as nuts as previous ones that we have seen. But these two dudes went out there and just had a really good match. And I thought, more than anything, I thought Hiromu was good, but you come away with Dragon Lee as a star after this match, don't you? Yeah, so I think the performance was a little disappointing just because the standard is so high. Right, the standard is I want both these men dead before this match is done. Like, yeah, or, or there's going to be a few moments where I think that both men might have died, and you didn't yeah. get that. And like you said, Dragon Lee comes out the star, but being there live, and I think this is when I was mentioning, you know, something that I don't really think translated uh, to the broadcast, I think this is exact. this is the match. So, Dragon Lee absolutely got over with the crowd, but I basically credit it, you know, let's say 80% to Hiroma's performance. And this is why. So, before the match, uh, you know, Dragon Lee comes out with his mask on, obviously a t-shirt and another mask. Um, you know, obviously later, by the end of the match, we know that he has that second mask on because he's going to get the mask he's wearing ripped basically in half. And... Uh, and he needs to put that other mask on, or the plan was, whatever, for him to put the second mask on at the end of the match. But he teases the crowd for what felt like 15 minutes. I'm going to throw my mask to this side. No, I'm going to throw the mask to this side. No, how about this side? And that did not work to his favor at all. Like, everybody was excited to see him when he came out. But after he did that, like, the crowd was basically chanting Hiromu before Hiromu came out. So... He more or less shot himself in the foot with that one action. Um, so the the match basically progressed kind of hesitantly. In if you're looking at it from his perspective, like the fans were kind of hesitant to buy back into it because they felt like, well, we thought we were going to get your mask, and then you just <laughs> right. you, you didn't throw it. So, but then he threw his t-shirt in like right before the bell rang, and you can hear a pop. That's what he did. He threw his t-shirt. That wasn't on camera, um, but. I think Hiromu sensed that this crowd is behind me. So I have to, A, give Lee spots that are going to get him over. Like, so fly like crazy, flip around, and, you know, I'll give him my uh, sunset, sunset flip power bomb to the floor. You know, that'll work in his favor. They did the great corner stomp spot. Uh, but I think there's a spot in the match also where the crowd's chanting for Hiromu. And he's like, I, I'm not, I can't. This is not the match I end up having. <laughs> yeah, right. He just rips the mask in half and tells the crowd to be quiet. And 
like instantly flips in Dragon Lee's uh, favor. And that's why, because basically Dragon Lee di- uh, dug himself a hole and Hiromu single-handedly put him in positions to get out of that hole. And then the finishing stretch obviously showcased both men and, and is what left, is what helped uh, Lee leave as a star. But I credit that, you know, I, I credit saving the match completely to Hiromu. Okay, that's yeah, that's insight. So that's that's why I got you on here, Jojo. That was awesome. Yeah, and it's uh, you know saying that when when you think about that too, is Horn was twenty seven years old. Man, for him to be able to control Cork in that way, like you're saying, it's just insane. And that, that's that's why a lot of these people, you know, people that are high on Hiromu, and there's I know there's a lot of people that are like, ah, I don't see it quite yet. I don't see. If you see it, like, and and everybody that sees it agrees. I mean, this dude is just he he gets it. He's got the it factor, and and that's a really great antidote there. So it's really cool to to see that. So. Uh, that was the end of night one. Uh, we're not going to do as much detail here uh, of night two, but obviously you went to the show. Uh, we'll kind of get up some highlights. I thought one of the first things that we do need to talk about a little bit briefly um, was before the show, they announced that Hiroshi Tanahashi had suffered a, ru- a rupture to his right bicep tendon. And this is uh, it was kind of rumored that something was going on with his bicep. There was some injury. We find out that he suffered a rupture to the bicep tendon. He'll be out of action until the June 9th show, apparently. So he's only going to be out until June 9th. And uh, Kojima will be replacing him on the best of the Super Junior Tour shows. What do you know? Do you know any other insights on this? Or do you think it's even possible that he's back June 9th if he has a rupture in his bicep? Like, it seems like he should be out much longer than that. But uh, Tanahashi has odd uh, healing much like John Cena, his his, his American counterpart. Uh, any chance that he's back June 9th, or does that seem really aggressive to you? You know what we what we need is someone that knows how to read it. Well, first of all, we need to be able to accept the fact that the X rays that he posted are in fact his X rays, and then True. secondly, we need someone that can read an X ray to tell us what the <laughs> the, the, the the how long he should be out. And that's not um, you, right? That's absolutely not me. No, I'll, I'll make a fancy chart, but I can't read an X X ray. So yeah, I mean, I, I, it sounds like not long enough time if you've ruptured a bicep tendon, but uh, <laughs> it's like a couple of weeks, like that's yeah. all. that shouldn't um, be. But I mean, yeah. what I'm thinking about here is uh, if he can't make Dominion, who gets his match? It's an interesting question. I don't know. And um, I would a big deal. I mean, yeah, that's a big show in a big arena, and then, uh, yeah, you can't you can't just have anybody kind of go in there and slide in. It's got to be something. It's got to be a big deal, right? Yeah, and I wouldn't necessarily... I mean, I would totally want to see it against Kojima. Uh, I think that would be awesome. But I don't know if we'll get that. Uh, but yeah, who's, who knows? I mean, that the time frame does seem very tight, but it also seems very... Conv- I mean, th- so what they're probably doing is they don't want to say, okay, he's off Dominion for you know the, the sake of selling tickets or whatever, but um, I think they'll make an announcement before it gets too close. Uh, to that show that he's tried to rehab or whatever after that June 9th you know he's tried to rehab and he can't get there yeah because I, I just think it's way too aggressive and I, I would hope almost you know for the longevity of Tanahashi if it is actually a real injury and if it is actually a rupture in his bicep and yeah he can get the swelling down by June 9th and be back by Dimit like I, I don't know if you necessarily want to really risk that because that's something you definitely want to heal and we obviously want Tanahashi to be healthy you know in the long term so I don't know yeah it's hard to know if it's it worked to the point of it's not as big of a deal as, as it, they say it is if it's you know, work to try to have a little bit of a story here. I mean, obviously, he showed a picture of his, his bicep, and, and there was rumors from a lot of people that were in the, you know, arena at War of the Worlds that there was definitely something that happened to Tanahashi. He definitely hurt his arm, but the extent of it, we, we don't know, and I guess we just have to trust uh, New Japan for now. But yeah, rupture in the bicep tendon seems uh, <laughs> like a much larger injury than a, a couple weeks, so we'll, uh, we'll have to see about that. But uh, as far as night two, uh, obviously, I don't want to go match by match the same way, but what were your uh, takeaways from night two, and what was the match or, or matches that really stood out to you? 
Yeah, I think the top two matches are really the the main my main takeaways from this show. Um, I think I'm good with it, jumping right into Liger against Hiromu, unless there's anything else you want to talk. No, about no, go that. for it. Yeah, no, let's do it. Yeah, so another another great performance by both of these guys. Um, I think again, this is more of a Hiromu match than a Liger match, uh, and I was expecting Liger to win. Um, I was expecting Liger to win the first night too. But his selling on both of these shows, I mean, there was a, a spot in the first night where Taka had him in the face lock, the just face lock, and, like, the whole crowd was, ah, please don't tap, come on, please don't tap. Uh, and Hiromu did another great job. Uh, you know, this was more like, oh, no, can Liger take these moves and, and bounce back? But Hiromu, for his part, you know, I think he took a brain buster on the floor, like, pretty much yeah, in the beginning yeah. of the match. Um, so, yeah, this was a, another really fast-paced match, which you don't expect to see from a guy over 50 years old but uh excellent and Hiromu's facial expressions in this match were incredible uh I think he also went to the mask he went to start to try to untie Liger's mask and obviously that's instant heat uh so he, he just knows exactly what he's doing and it's it's just incredible like you said it for his experience level uh yeah I thought oh sorry not to interrupt but I thought Hiromu worked his ass off in this match and, and I'm glad you did mention that too because I thought he did everything in the world to make Liger look like a million bucks, and, and there was a few points in the match because I watched it pretty much unspoiled, and there were a few points in the match where I was like, "Oh my god, Liger's gonna beat him!" I mean, he hits that Liger bomb, and 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 it, you know, Hiromu's got this look on his face like he's just completely shocked by what you know this flurry of offense coming from Liger or whatever, and he hits that Liger bomb or whatever, and Hiromu was so good he kicks out at that two point nine 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 or whatever, you know, just to get everybody to go, "Oh god, it was that close or whatever," and then he kind of goes, "Okay, enough fucking around," and, and, and kind of ends it after that, but it was just interesting to see that Hiromu just the like you said. The facials, just everything. I mean, you can hear and sense from the crowd of them invested in the idea that Liger was going to pull off this huge upset here, and then Hiromu just sweeps it out from under them at the last second. But I thought Hiromu just bumping for Jushin Thunder Liger. I mean, made Liger look like he was 15 years younger than he was. I thought was uh, uh, definitely a testament to Hiromu's just uh, unbelievable skill. Yeah, absolutely. And another thing I think we're going to see, you know, I when I was mapping out this this league, I, I didn't think Liger was going to take losses in the first two matches, like I said. But now I can kind of see, like, Taka paying his respects to Liger at the end of their match. Uh, Hiromu, who you don't expect to, to do that, uh, doing the same thing. So I, I'm interested to see where they go with Liger for the rest of the tour because I could, to, I could potentially see, like, everybody beating him and then kind of just saying thank you at the end. Yeah, yeah, that's... If you're going to do a way, because my, you know, my thought would be have him make a run. Maybe on the last night he gets eliminated or thing like that. I, you know, after these first two nights, I don't know that that's going to happen anymore. I feel like they're barely not doing that. But if that's it, then like you're saying, I think that might be the best story. Maybe that's what we've seen so far is like, the, you know, he, he almost wins. He doesn't pull it out. The guy wins, but then the guy shows his respects and goes, oh, my God, you took me to my limit. You're the greatest. You know, you're you're the best of all time. You're why we're all here. You're the king of the, you know, the juniors or whatever. And shakes his hand and bows or whatever. If that's what it is, that's cool, too, because it gives every one of these crowds a moment to sort of give a standing ovation to Liger, too, which has its its benefits. We saw that with Tenzan last year in the G1, too, where, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, my God, Tenzan, maybe he can make a run. And it almost worked a little bit better that he lost. And then the crowds could kind of go, hey, whatever, man, you're, you're still a legend. That's kind of a cool story, too. And if that's what they're selling with, you know, the, the story they're telling with Liger, I get down with that. I mean, I, I think I'm okay with that. Yeah, totally. I think, you know, if the first two matches are any indication, he's going to have great matches no matter what. So, And then I think you want to talk about the main event, I'm assuming. Yeah, it was a, it was a pretty good match. I mean, it was a, no, it was amazing. I mean, it was one of the, be <laughs> it was one of the best matches I've ever seen live. Uh, it was 
really incredible. I mean, I was at the the match last year too. This is Ricochet Osprey, by the way. I don't think we actually called. Yeah, that. Sorry. most people should know, but there you go, just in case. Yeah, I mean, I so I was at the match last year too, and that was uh, obviously a very, very, very good match. But this one was very different, uh, and they came out like very aggressive in this one, um, and people were like, "Well, this is this is different. We don't, we don't know what to do. We don't know how to react." <laughs> then they they did that spot where they kind of you know flip at the same time a couple minutes in. And people were like, okay, yeah, we wanted to see that. And it was it didn't really seem like they were clicking to me at that point in the match. Like that up to that point, it kind of seemed like, you know, there was actually some really good mat work, I think, in the beginning of the match. But then it, the flip thing happened and and people were like kind of like a appreciation clap, not like a wow, that was awesome clap. Uh and then yeah, then they just started killing each other pretty much. Yeah, I thought when I was my big takeaway from this match, and I absolutely agree, I thought it was spectacular as well. And and you know, last year's match, and and I mentioned this on Twitter, and it was kind of hard to you know say in 140 characters, but I think there were some people that kind of got what I was trying to say. Is I thought last year's match was was better now, but over time, I feel like this match is going to grow, and, and this match is going to be appreciated a lot more than last year's because like right now, last year's was still a shock to the system. Still, if you watch that match today, it's still a shock to the system. It's like, an, oh my god, what are these guys doing? It's incredible. It's a viral sensation. It's unbelievable. It's the most gifable match ever. Whatever you know, that's going to still exist for a few more years. But then you know, five years down the line, you might go, ah, you know, we see this all the time. Yeah, we we've seen these dudes do this style of a match a bunch. Like that's a match that I think is going to age poorly. Not in that it's not going to be revolutionary. It's always going to be revolutionary. We're always going to go and point to that match and go, oh my god, can you imagine? You know, that's what those guys did in 2016. But you know, by 2022, that might not seem as revolutionary anymore. Whereas this match, I think in any era would have held up because, like you said, it started off with mat work and it started off really cool. Because and I thought they played the matches well together as well. Because Ricochet goes in there going, okay, I you know, I try to do the flippy stuff. I try to do all that. I, I I couldn't win. You know what? I'm better. I'm better at Osprey. I'm I'm stronger than this kid. I'm better at mat work. I'm better wrestler than Osprey. I'm gonna do that stuff. I'm gonna try to just really grind him into the mat and he did that for a lot of the match too and I thought that was a really cool story where Osprey was the one that wanted to do the high flying and wanted to do the fun little kicks and all that sort of stuff and Ricochet was like no 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 I'm trying to slow you down and 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 be the stronger man on this night or whatever and then like you said there was that point where Ricochet just went ah fuck it I'm really good at flipping too I'm gonna do that too and then they then kind of went on for the rest of the match and just said all right let's just have a little a real spectacular thing but I thought most of it was Still with that ricochet being a little step ahead of Osprey, but in the end, Osprey still just being a little bit quicker, like just being a little bit better, even though Ricochet might have been smarter. Because there was a few times where, like, I know Osprey did like a, a, a like a springboard, and Ricochet just popped up and hit him with a drop kick, like in the back of the head. And there was little stuff like that that were really cool callbacks uh, to previous matches those guys have had. But then in the end, it was just Osprey was just that much faster and that much quicker, or whatever. And then that promo afterwards was really cool too, because Osprey gets on the mic and you know had, cuts a really good promo, I thought, in front of the Cork and crowd. And they reacted really well to him but he mentions to ricochet you know hey you're the man you know and, and a little bit of a respect thing and ricochet kind of has to go yeah you know what you're the man and like i thought if, if people don't think that osprey is on a a fast track to maybe be the winner of this tournament or at least go to the finals i mean this night and the post-match promo was was all the evidence that you need that they're the fire's been lit under this guy again do you agree i completely agree and i think the the promos would stood out to me and i think they i don't know if you saw they did a press conference before the the league started and i thought okay was, no i did not yeah I, I didn't i did not see that his promo during that was also really really good so i think i mean i everybody expected this to be a really good match i don't think i personally expected to see from from will osprey in best of the super juniors 
two really good promos. That that wasn't what I expected at all. <laughs> no, yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think if you compare Will Ospreay now to Will Ospreay when he came into New Japan, he's a much more well-rounded wrestler. Uh, and yeah, I thought I thought this match was epic. I think is the best way to describe it. Uh, so before I let you go here, I'm going to talk about a few of the other uh, Best of Super Junior shows coming up uh, over the next few days. Obviously, as I mentioned, we're recording this on the 19th, so the Friday the 19th. Uh, by the time most of you listen to this, the 20th, uh, that show will have already passed. Uh, that one's got some B-block matches on it. It's got uh, ACH, Kanemaru, Tiger Mask, Kushida, uh, Desperado, Bushi, and then Taguchi and Valador Jr., so some decent stuff there. Also, you have the 21st uh, show on the Sunday. That's back to the A-block. you got Will Ospreay versus Takamichinoku, which should be fantastic. Uh, last year, they had a really fun uh, match, if I remember correctly and then uh other a block matches liger versus marty scroll which my god like i don't i don't know how far you are away from this city that where this but you got to go to this right like come on you gotta, yeah it's I, actually not that far it's i think it's okay, pretty well, close to where where wh lives so i should try to get him to go 